Hey, I can't wait to get this healing party started today. Powerful lineup in hour two, our good friend, Jeffrey Smith, who was sent here by God to stop genetically modified organisms. That's my take on it anyway. We love Jeffrey and uh, again, very scientifically oriented too in the way he goes about it. Another guy who's very scientifically oriented happens to be an attorney and uh, he knows the constitution as good as, or maybe better than almost anybody. And his name is Jonathan Amord. You know that's time of the week, that time of the week. It's now the Sacred Fire of Liberty is about to begin. And um, unfortunately, we have to co uh, cover a former uh, Speaker of the House that's still crying after all these years. We got that coming up too. So check it out. All the links are up in the show notes at robertscottbell.com. Special Christmas deals on all kinds of wonderful things. And that power to heal that you know and love, it's yours by virtue of your very existence. I'm grateful for you to be here. Let's get the sacred fire of liberty started on the Robert Scott Bell Show right about now. The Robert Scott, the Bell, Robert Show. Scott Bell Show. All right, once again, bringing a message of health, freedom, and healing liberty to the nation and the people of planet Earth, all those who are ready to stand up in freedom and, of course, the responsibility that accompanies it. And you don't look for, uh, let's say, an external uh, savior within government to protect you or to safety net you because the real protection, the real safety net comes from a far higher and greater place. And that is, again, your divinity connected to your source of your very life. And that is your creator. That's not government. That's God. Thank you for being here once again. And I'm happy to report that Jonathan E. Mord is back in the fold here on the Robert Scott Bell Show today with the Sacred Fire of Liberty. And in fact, last week, uh, by the way, just check out emord4va.com, emord4virginia.com, because uh, the, the, the exploratory committee for him to run for the United States Senate is still going on, still fundraising. And there are many events around the country, and they've added them to the website. And so I'll make sure Super Don has that in there for you to check out because it might be coming to a, a city near you and you want to be there to support him. Uh, beyond that, of course, last week, uh, and let's bring Jonathan into the mix. It's an interesting story. It made headlines uh, in the national news and, of course, out of Virginia. Uh, a lot of the fines and, and uh, uh, re revocation of licenses for businesses that didn't cooperate with lockdowns and shutdowns and mask wearing during uh, the worst of COVID, uh, Jonathan, resulted in one particular business. Uh, I think it was a, what, a liquor store in Virginia that approached you and said, hey, we need some help here. Yeah, it's a place called Gore Melts. It's a very popular restaurant in Fredericksburg, Virginia. And the owner is Matt Strickland. He's a candidate for the Virginia State Senate. Uh, and um, anyway, uh, he had gone through legal process and had his uh, license revoked by the Virginia ABC board and the courts affirmed it uh, in Virginia. And then I was contacted after that. But the fact of the matter was, uh, it was an, a, a order by Northam, the prior governor, Ralph Northam. An executive order in Virginia to say, basically, shut what? down. Shut basically, down, right? Yeah. What it did was prevent any Virginia citizen from leaving his or her residence between the hours of midnight and 5 a.m. And also, uh, required restaurants to have a limited number of people present to use social distancing, to insist upon mask wearing. And there There's the article. Uh, yeah. That's it. Not operate 10, 10 p.m. or later. 
So it was anyway. a, a restaurant that happens to serve alcohol. And, and you know, this is, I always like to point this out, Jonathan, and, and you've helped folks with in, innovative businesses. In fact, years ago, we, I attended a, a you know, a big uh, press conference there at the national press club in DC, uh, a client that had approached you and said, Hey, we have developed an innovative uh, ad- additive to alcohol that was organic and clean, RSB approved, in fact, that would limit or eliminate a lot of the damage to the liver, for instance. And I remember that. And I I, I found it always funny because you don't drink alcohol. And you're like, here you are supporting people to innovate in a way to make alcohol safer. And in this case, you have a restaurateur that also has an alcohol license to serve. You don't drink alcohol, but you are in defense of freedom, principally. And they came to you and said, we have been wrongly shut down. Our our license to sell these drinks has been revoked by an executive order that is not even in force. Unfortunately, the previous attorney that had represented him had made a mess of things and there was no op- opportunity in the courts. So the short version is you approached the attorney general of Virginia, sent a message and said, hey, look at this. I petitioned the governor and the attorney general in Virginia, uh, explaining that uh, orders of the, the prior administration, in particular executive order number 72 of the prior governor, was still being enforced, even though that prior governor had withdrawn the order in May of 2021, was still being enforced in December of 2022, and that the restaurant Gourmelts was a, an, a, an example of the, the uh, enforcement of that. And I called upon him in light of his position against a violation of individual rights to enforce these kinds of orders to act and lo and behold, uh, to my great uh, uh, pleasure, he -hmm. did indeed act. He uh, acted in a profound way. He issued his own executive order, which had required all agencies of the state, not just the Virginia ABC, to supply the governor with evidence of what they had done to enforce Northam's COVID orders, and then uh, ordered his finance secretary to receive that information and evaluate how individuals who were fined or whose licenses were suspended or revoked, uh, such as Gormelts, could be uh, uh, given their licenses back and be paid for the money that was taken from them by the state. That, that's the concept of being made whole again, right? In, in, right? in legal terms. Yet normally that would occur in the courts, but the case was just, again, such a mess by the time that he approached you for help that you saw there was really no remedy there. And you said, well, why don't I reach out to the attorney general and the governor and say, hey, there's a wrong that's been done. Let's see if we can correct this. And 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 things have gone even further than, than the executive order you described, because then you approach the actual, what is it, the ABC, the licensing board directly? Virginia ABC, yes. But let me just say that the governor also today is introducing an amendment or a, a, a bill in the legislature that is his must-pass budget. And as a part of that budget, He's asking the legislature to authorize the reimbursement of all those who were fined and the reinstatement of licenses as a as a legal matter required by the legislature. So he's gone above and beyond. I salute Governor Yunkin. I'm grateful wow. for his action. He has proven himself once again to be a defender of individual rights against oppressive government action. And so has his attorney general, Jason Mayoris. I'm very grateful to them both. Let me just say that uh, I, I also want to tell you that the ABC's chief counsel in Virginia is a good man. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I reached out to him, uh, he uh, accepted that. And uh, fortunately for Gore Meltz, as a result of that 
uh, interaction. Gormelts has ha will have its license back on December 23rd, and all the alcohol that was seized will be returned to the restaurant. So a complete vindication for yeah. Matt Strickland and Gormelts. Well, uh, Matt's probably going, I, I wonder why I didn't contact you first, Jonathan. <laughs> <laughs> wow, what a journey. I mean, that's, it's just great news. Uh, uh, the, the ridiculousness with which not just in Virginia, but governors across the land with few exceptions, uh, participated in this lockdown, shutdown, madness, destroying businesses, Americans from basically all backgrounds, walks of life, religions, you know, races. It didn't matter. It was like anybody arbitrary. They were always arbitrary. There's no science to support the notion that between midnight and 5 a.m. COVID is more virulent. I mean, you allow people to walk around all day long and then you say from midnight to 5 a.m. they need to be in their homes. You say that a restaurant can only have 10 or 12 people in it. Uh, what What's the science behind that? A well-ventilated restaurant. In addition to that, you say that people who are seated mm -hmm. and about to eat don't have to wear a mask, right. but then when they stand up, they have to put a mask on. You say that when they're at the bar, they don't have to wear a mask, but when they stand up and are one foot away from the bar, then they have to wear a mask. I mean, the whole thing is arbitrary and capricious and unconstitutional invasion of your uh, right to travel, preventing you from traveling, congregate where you wish. And then in addition, a violation of your, of your liberty rights, because you're being compelled to be masked and you're being compelled to avoid uh, places of worship and restaurants and other businesses solely on arbitrary, completely arbitrary grounds. And ones we now know are totally unscientific. So yeah. it, it was, I mean, uh, to, to deprive people of their rights based on the presence of a virus is, there's no constitutional foundation right. for that. And, and there was no foundation for the governor to act unilaterally. It's inherently a legislative power. And this former governor was an authoritarian who mm -hmm. just imposed his will uh, willy-nilly without uh, ever getting a legislative sanction for his actions. Well, and then the, the stuff that rolled downhill from there, even after it was revoked, you still had this licensing board, you know, basically. Even after, even after that governor withdrew executive right. order number 72, it was enforced nonetheless all the way to the point of shutting this guy's restaurant down effectively by mm -hmm. taking alcohol. As you know, no restaurant in the country can can survive without the ability to sell alcohol. There's such a small margin for food that they can't make it. So it's effectively a death sentence when it when it when the police come in, seize all the alcohol, revoke your license to uh, uh, sell alcohol. Oh man, it's restaurant. you're you're effectively shutting the whole place you're down. Like, this, this is not America. That doesn't happen in America. No. It did happen in America. It did. To your it point did. too. Yeah, and Jonathan, to your point too about. Uh, well, uh, 12 to 5 a.m., you're safe. No, you're not safe. Stay at home. You, it, it's absurd. And in fact, I hope that we learned a lesson here that this, they could never get away with this at any time of the day or night, that if you're going to shut down uh, uh, basically a country, a state, a municipality uh, on a based on a virus circulating, there's never not viruses circulating or whatever. You know, these. it's just at this yeah. point, just shut everything down and stay at home forever. This is not life. This is so much where well, that whole idea of, you know, we know that uh, the virus is is spreads much more effectively indoors than outside. And so here you have that information was current at the time that he issued this executive order, Ralph Northam. 
and yet he's compelling people to remain inside between the hours of midnight and 5 a.m. They'd be far better off if they were outside. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And so this is also the problem, the longer-term problem that you've been addressing as well with the oligarchy on all levels and primarily at the federal level, but we've seen it on the state level with public health departments gaining uh, dictatorial powers, powers beyond even the executive, right, the governor, et cetera, much less the legislatures, if you will. And this is a problem moving forward if we don't curtail it because we know that there's an intent. Like, for instance, the treaty that is threatened to be signed by Biden that would somehow place the World Health Organization over all countries, including the United States, in our so-called pandemic response, real or imagined. You think about an unconstitutional act because as far as my reading of the Constitution, Jonathan, you can make treaties and they become, quote unquote, the supreme law of the land, but only in they're made in, in pursuance with or in, you know, aligning with. You can't just make a treaty and violate provisions within the Constitution or else what's the point of an amendment process if all you have to do is treaty away the Constitution? Yep. The advice and consent of the Senate is required for a treaty which means anything that would bind the United States via another nation or an international body. And the Biden administration, true to form, just proceeds like he's a dictator, enters into agreements like the Iran agreement was, where you just have that, that Obama gave us that deplorable agreement with Iran that was really the worst thing in the world. Uh, as far as the ability of Iran to get nuclear weapons, giving them a carte, carte blanche uh, uh, to, to produce nuclear weapons. So uh, the point is, those things are required by the Constitution to go to the United States Senate. And the Senate is to give uh, their advice on it, as well as ultimately consent to it if they wish it to be. The power to consent includes the power, of course, to refuse to consent. Jonathan, I have to say this is why you need to be in the Senate, because if they go to the Senate with this and if the Senate is controlled by Democrats, unless it doesn't need a supermajority, far too few senators know the Constitution enough that they will sign on to a treaty that violates provisions within the Constitution. And at that point, then what does it have to go into the courts and the Supreme Court well, then rules on it? There are far few uh far too few senators that know the constitution robert which is a real horror yes but in addition there are several senators who are opposed to the constitution mm -hmm. and act against it routinely like for example the senate majority leader chuck schumer and to see that we have overt democrat socialists bernie sanders uh alexandria Casio cortez uh and, and various members of the squad who are overt Democrat socialists. That means that they do not support a republic. They're opposed to a republic. They're opposed to the Constitution's uh, creation of a republic in America. Well, they are required to swear an oath as a condition of serving in Congress that whereby they support, they swear to support the Constitution of the United States. Well, they don't. And they should be kicked out of Congress because they have not truthfully sworn an oath to support the Constitution of the United States. If you want to take the United States and change it into a socialist country, you are not eligible to, to serve in government. In fact, you're not even eligible under the Constitution, the federal Constitution, to serve in state or local offices if you don't support the Constitution. 
Every single one of those are required under Article 6. The person who is to sit in an office, whether federal or state, is required to swear an oath to support the Constitution of the United States. Well, the voters are not aware of the Constitution well enough to put the right people in still. That's another problem here that we're dealing with. Although, again, I sense that uh, if y'all are doing what I think you're doing, supporting Jonathan E. Moore's Exploratory Committee, check it out, emord4va.com, emord, F-O-R-V-A, for Virginia.com. I'm looking forward to, as soon as possible, making an announcement, but uh, not official yet, but I'm just thinking... Uh, to have you in the United States Senate would be a, have a big impact in terms of your ability to be so eloquent uh, on the Constitution and constitutional issues that uh, even if you don't, you know, one person can't do everything, but there's a lot of power one senator has in terms of filibuster and uh, communication and the impact and the influence you can have through education processes. And, of course, the revulsion uh, with the movement toward collectivism and socialism that is rising in America as we watch this thing happen under Biden. Uh, so I'm I'm encouraged about where this thing is going, Jonathan, even though I know we got to get through some horrific times here uh, to get there. Yes, unfortunately, inflation will get worse because they there's no stopping the massive federal spending. Look, we're about to witness the demise of Title 42 and uh, droves and droves, over 10,000 people uh, a month will be coming through the border, uh, and in fact, per day. Um, and the, the reality is that we can't handle this. We, this is going to be a situation where our border is open, uh, so, so open, uh, that individuals of all kinds, criminals, uh, sex traffickers, drug traffickers, uh, terrorists, um, we'll be pouring through that border during the, the Biden years, the remaining two years of the Biden administration, and our country is going to be savaged. I mean, it's going to be absolutely outrageous what will happen to our country. And then gas prices, this green agenda is continuing on green socialism so that innovation in the market is being suppressed, so that production is being prevented, so that Gas is not getting to the the uh, the end of the line in, in quantities that are equal to demand. And, and the insanity of all this is that they're importing gas rather than allowing domestic production to occur. They're mm-hmm. increasing production in other countries and massively compensating them for it so that they don't see prices go through the roof here. Well, they are going through the roof anyway, and they will because... It is impossible to meet domestic demand without a massive increase in domestic production. We have so much oil and gas under the ground that if we were to open up this whole move uh, spigot and allow all of this oil and gas to be produced, and it can be produced safely, and it can be produced with environmental means that protect the environment, it doesn't have to be an all or nothing proposition. You don't have to render humanity extinct to save the environment. You can save the environment, protect the environment adequately, and also allow humans to flourish. And if we don't allow gas and oil to get to uh, the end of the line, Americans are going to see gas prices go up and up and up. And you know what? If we did do that, if we did change the law so that it didn't prevent production and it didn't prevent storage and it didn't prevent transportation 
So we had a domestic market of production. You know, oil and gas, we would have gas prices down to like $2 a gallon. Yeah. We, you look at yeah. where it's at right now. It would be down to $2 a gallon. Do you realize what that would do? It would The deflationary effect of that, the effect of that on increasing business, on increasing the number of employment, on people in, employed, on increasing innovation, on increasing yeah. the number of new jobs created, new businesses created, new goods and services created massive why do why do people still think that the government can solve a, a, a crisis that it facilitates the creation of you know where is innovation happening not in government not in in managed uh you know what they call managed growth or or an environmental movement that is actually destroying the environment through battery technology and and ripping these th these rare earth minerals from the planet and then wasting the efforts by all of the oil that they say they hate to produce those things and then when those batteries run out they become toxic waste that is worse than the burning of, of so-called fossil fuels and for those of you who don't know, we, you know, we've, we featured Dr. David Martin on this show and Jonathan knows uh, Dr. Martin. We connected initially at the health freedom expo. There are great innovations that have already uh, are proven technologies to utilize even things that are considered tar sand wastelands to utilize right. that oil in a way that leaves the environment pristine and clean enough to grow organic food in it and on it. Yeah. Dr. Martin independently, develop this means to transform the tar sands and also asphalt into elemental uh, aspects of it. So you have the tar sands turned into pure sand, water, pure water, and then also very high grade sweet oil, mm -hmm. highest in the world out of his production. So high that the California, which has the highest standards uh, for satisfaction on sweet oil satisfaction on oil he even surpassed that and this is not only true of the tar sands he also can show you that you can take asphalt which ends up in landfills and instead right. of ending up in landfills he can take it and through his process he can turn it into water oil and rock yeah. so i'm telling you this is this is a kind of free market innovation that is being suppressed and yeah. dissuaded by the federal government because they're all in it for government planning to insist that we all go solar, we all go with windmills, we all go with electric cars. All of this is a disaster. Government planned economies do not work, but what they succeed in doing magnificently is destroying innovation in the private sector and robbing us mm -hmm. of, of our resources. Look where all that money's gonna go. 98% of these technologies are made in China. Yeah, it's supporting an enemy of our country that would just as soon wipe us out if they if they don't have to do it with yeah, bullets and bombs. Hundreds well, of billions of dollars. Yeah, they'll do uh, it economically. Yeah. Um, Jonathan, if you were to be in the Senate, U.S. Senate, just an example like this on energy policy, the disaster that is the green movement that we've seen. It's a it's, you know, code word for communism, honestly, collectivism and government centralized planning on a global scale, not just in a centralized bureaucracy in D.C. What could be done at the senatorial level? Is it just a matter of uh, of bringing out these innovations that we know of already that have happened or are happening in a free market that is not even a free market? Well, of course, the Senate is a source for legislation. And what I would do is work with uh, both leaders in the House and leaders in the Senate uh, in introducing new legislation. And whether or not they supported it, I would still introduce it. I would introduce bill after bill to break down socialism in America. I would introduce a bill to get rid of government 
uh, barriers to the entry of oil and gas domestically produced into the market. And I would eliminate virtually every restriction that is, is in the way, and I would make it a national priority to expand domestic production of oil and gas. And I would have in place incentives, tax incentives to do it safely. In other words, you as a private businessman, you determine how you can protect the environment, how you can minimize adverse effects uh, through your production process. And to the extent you document them, you will be entitled to a tax credit. And that tax credit would reduce the taxes. So it would be more profitable mm-hmm. and, and they would retain more of their money from federal taxes if they follow this. And I, I would push this to the hilt. And I don't mean just a modest amount of reduction in taxation. I mean a significant amount because it is a, you want to talk about a crisis? It's a crisis that people can't afford to drive to work. It's a crisis that people can't afford to feed their families because they're paying too much for gasoline. It's a crisis that people cannot develop new businesses, cannot get goods and services to the point of sale and have supply chain disruptions Mm -hmm. because they cannot afford the cost to truck products across this country. It's a crisis of all the inflation associated with these goods and services because of the increased gas prices. This is all in oil also in home heating oil. We're seeing people who are going to starve and are, are going to starve, but also they're going to freeze this winter. So this is legislation that would ensure that we would have low price gas down to $2 a gallon and we would be able to cut the cost of, of groceries. And we would also introduce legislation to repeal the expenditures that are ongoing of all of this legislation that was passed within the last six months that put in over $5 trillion into the marketplace. We got $11 trillion of, of federal money pouring into the market, causing this inflation. Well, it, 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 it's so the effects of it. Well, cut the spending, right? Cut the spending and then the prices will go down. So you do two things to get prices down on groceries, prices down on gas, you cut federal spending, and you open up the spigots and you do it methodically. And this is the kind of legislation I would introduce immediately. And in addition to that, Robert, let me just say this. The regulatory agencies are an absolute wretched morass of restriction on individual freedom in this country and on free enterprise. And you want to see an economic boom. You want to see a future that is brighter every single day that gives us opportunities that our kids can have, that economic opportunities across the board, regardless of your race or your gender or your background, to get into the market, to be productive citizen, to make America the greatest nation on earth economically, militarily, in every respect. You want to do that. The way to do that is to eliminate uh, these government barriers that are there that are restricting free market activity and have an economic boom like you have not imagined mm-hmm. possible. And that's what we can have in America. Get rid of the government planning. Get rid of the bureaucrats telling us what to do. Get rid of everything that stands in the way of you being your best self. And that can be done. We can do that. And if we do it, we will see the brightest days of America, that they are the future. And that this is not a declining or dying republic. We are not a nation in decline. We are a nation that can ascend to the heights and we can achieve more 
and we can have a bright future for our children. And that's what I want to fight for. That's what I'm dedicated to. I've always been for this. I love this country, Robert, as you do. I have always fought for this country. My whole legal career has been battling against abuses of individuals' rights. Mm-hmm. We, have the, we have the privilege here. You know, just yesterday, Robert, we, we witnessed the, the, the uh, anniversary of uh, George Washington's death at Mount Vernon when he died between the hours of 10 and 11 p.m. that night from uh, a condition of the throat. They don't really know exactly what happened, but he couldn't breathe, and he ultimately died uh, that night. And this is this is the genius of Washington. You know, as I reflect upon his life because of, of that anniversary, I, I think about just how precious it is. This country is in all the history of the world. We have here the first nation on earth ever to recognize that our rights come from God and that they are unalienable mm-hmm. and that the purpose of government is to protect those rights and that our whole uh, government is based on the consent of the governed. The second paragraph of the Declaration of Independence defines this brilliant, unique, in all the world, history. And you know, every other regime in the world before and since has been based on the idea that only government can determine what rights you have and that your purpose as a citizen is to support and uphold the government, not to be free. So we achieved that freedom. And I know that there are people in this country who were not free. Of course, that is the case. But the genius of America is that we always recurred to that second paragraph and the protection of rights. And we expanded it to reach everyone. And that is the point. That is the point. You don't condemn the genius of the American founding on the notion that the rights revolution that they created was not one and extended to everyone. Remember that it wasn't the American revolutionaries who brought slavery to America. It was George III, an absolute monarch, who brought slavery into this country. And yet it was within 100 years of the American Revolution that we succeeded, ultimately through the cost of blood and and treasure uh, enormously in the Civil War, to end the institution of slavery. And we have since worked to ensure expansion of protection of all rights for all peoples, women, uh, people of color, everybody. And here's the point. Now we can say we are all Americans. And rather than champion that we are all Americans, that we are all entitled to equal justice under law, we have an administration and a Democrat majority that is championing the opposite, the antithesis of that, dividing us all by race, by gender, dividing us and seeking to enslave us. And that's what we have to realize. John, we are man. free, not slaves. Yeah. Amen, brother. Uh, this is, uh, you know, some of the things that we talk about and the energy policy is a big one. It really is as it's corrupted in terms of environmentalism that is not real environmentalism. Um, you, you mentioned a number of things that would help in that in that realm. Of course, the tax code is an absolute disaster and a mess. No one can figure it out. And yet so much of the tax code is written to social engineer. 
And and I realize that it's so entrenched that it, it wouldn't it's like a Ron Paul revolution. I'd love to see just end the darn thing and figure out another way, impost excises tariffs, the ways it was originally intended to raise money just for the basic constitutional, uh, say, uh, powers that were granted to government in this country. I know we're far from that. I recognize that. At the same time, how about ending all subsidies for energy? production, including that which would be something like we talked about with Dr. David Martin, who has made this innovation with no government money, with no grants, with no taxpayer funds. And so do we need even to do tax, well, let's say, is it reduction? I didn't what you were describing, but again, I'm dealing with the reality of what exists today versus the ideal, which I would like to see where we're not social engineering at all by the tax code. The way I look at it, tax reduction has to be a centerpiece. We're all overtaxed. Individuals are overtaxed and our taxes need to be reduced. Companies in this country are overtaxed and their taxes need to be reduced. And we need to create an environment where we encourage private sector innovation to protect the environment as opposed to a government planned environmental policy like the Green New Deal, which simply transfers total control over the marketplace to the government. We cannot have that. We are a republic, not a socialist nation. That is, of course, designed to create a socialist nation. And when it comes to giving people tax breaks, when it comes to companies, we need to create an incentive for companies to avoid pollution. Well, they already have a natural incentive in a free market to do that because pollution is inefficient and because it's inefficiency costs them money, they endeavor to reduce it. And that's why we've had revolutions in reduction in pollutants in the environment. Uh, that is because, you know, I mean, just, just let me give you one example. Do you know that a Honda Civic driving in California, one that is, that is not an electric one, but that uses regular gasoline, a Honda Civic produces less pollution than the ambient air. The ambient air in California has more pollution in it than the, the, the exhaust coming out of a Honda Civic. Isn't that remarkable? I, I had that, no idea. I didn't follow that. That's pretty wild. I'm telling you, innovation in the private sector is the way out of this. All, we've always been able to trust on humans, individuals uh, in a free environment to mm -hmm. come up with solutions to vexing problems. We didn't do that with COVID and it was a disaster and remains a continuing disaster. We shut down innovation. We The same thing is true with the environment. We're shutting down innovation. We need to encourage innovation. And so we need a jump start to this. We come into this with a second best environment. We've at worst environment actually, mm -hmm. where we have the government planning in place and driving companies out of their market preferences. Well, we have to move quickly because people cannot afford to wait for uh, tomorrow when the cost of tomorrow is going to be higher and higher with inflation and gas prices. So what do you do? You create a national priority to get there in production of oil and gas. You knock out all the regulatory impediments to getting gas and oil to the marketplace, and you create incentives to protect the environment through ta a tax incentive program. Mm -hmm for businesses that are engaged in that industry. And that's what I think we need to do. If we were not already in this socialist environment so right. heavily, yeah. then you wouldn't have to backtrack through that mechanism. And by the way, yeah. in addition to reduction in individual taxation, you know what we really need? 
Uh, we really need a substantial increase over 5% of adjusted gross income in what you can put away in a Roth IRA. People should be able to pack away and, and keep from being taxed a lot more of their income for retirement. We need to encourage savings and investment in this country. We need people to put their money in savings if they wish, and we need to enable them to do it cognizant of the fact that they're not going to have to pay taxes on it and be able to put it in retirement like that. If people have the freedom, that gives them more freedom. If people have the freedom, mm -hmm. they will do what's not only in their own best interest economically, but in the aggregate, it'll be so much better for us. We will have so much more prosperity. We will have so much more freedom. Our mm -hmm. standards of living will continue to rise and we will continue to be the greatest nation on earth. We are now suffering from the reality that Joe Biden has taken us down the road to ruin. And it, it, is a, it, it is a treacherous path. We have enemies that are looking at us and laughing their heads off. They could never have achieved what has happened to America unless America did it itself. Right. And Jonathan, this isn't necessarily a foreign enemy. As you point out, it's happening from within. And we were warned by our founders that it could and would likely happen that way. Also, you know, you mentioned more uh, ability to put savings away and, and benefit. But who's going to protect those people with Roth IRAs from the destruction of the dollar due to the Federal Reserve policies, destroying the very That's monetary right. system it, that they're it, saving in? It is, it, is a, it is a process, Robert, of, of moving us from what has become a progressive lurch into socialism and moving us back away from that into a, uh, an environment where individuals are free, they have freedom of choice, and where the economy becomes competitive again, and where you no longer have government playing favorites with industry and punishing those that are not favorites. We get government out. There's no question, but the government is, as has long been said, an abuse. And the best thing for us is to limit government. Trust in ourselves, trust in our freedom, trust in, in the responsibility we have for those freedoms, rather than turning over our sovereignty yeah. to government bureaucrats. We've gone down that road for over 140 years. We have gone down this road of ceding control over our lives to government. And what has it gotten us? We've been told from the 1960s forward that billions and billions and billions, now in the aggregate, trillions has, has been spent on social mm -hmm. engineering, on environmental policy, and it has gotten us nowhere. Uh, mm -hmm. In fact, it's gotten us into a situation where we are far worse off than we otherwise would have been. And you have these jokers in government who lie to you. They make promises to you that are never fulfilled. They tell you that all this money is being spent for a good cause, when in point of fact, they're profiting from it. They're diverting the uh, money into the bureaucracy itself. Look how inefficient this is. You pay billions and billions to HHS and HHS consumes a good chunk of that. And for the ultimate programs that are introduced, it's far less than what you are spending in tax dollars. And yet you have all these restraints, anti-competitive regulations, thousands of them preventing competition in markets that keeps prices up that limits opportunities for people to go into business. So it, it reduces innovation. 
and it and it prevents us from having a robust wide open economy in in the sense that a free market would give us yes we have a, a strong free market economy but that's not because of government that's in spite of it yeah any any bit of uh, uh growth in the, in the economy is due to those little areas or avenues of, of of existence that the government has yet not fully engaged its tentacles in and and despite that people will innovate and find ways because i think that's an american ideal if i would go deeper than that a spiritual ideal spiritual freedom a foundational principle here in America that leads to all of these other things, including economic uh, boons. Uh, now we talk about monopolies that government grants, the monopoly on thought, the lack of freedom of expression. We've seen it in COVID more than any other time, even though you and I have been aware and you've been battling for free of freedom of expression, freedom of speech and natural health and healing, and even for doctors to innovate. Uh, this is happening now on the state level, a little bit of pushback, maybe a significant pushback. Check this out. Governor DeSantis from Florida now says there is proof big tech targeted scientific dissenters to control the narrative around COVID-19, not on their own or of their own accord, but with the facilitation, the help, and sometimes the direct guidance of those in government. He's impaneled, I think, a grand jury to begin to investigate, subpoena things. This could be something that would never happen at the federal level because on the state level, they're like... DeSantis says, I've had it. This is wrong. And he's got a good uh, Surgeon General as well. Yeah, DeSantis is on to it. It's exactly right. There has been this history we now know from email correspondence to the White House that has come through from Elon Musk revealing all this uh, Twitter interaction, for example, that it, with the company executives there. We know there was this collusion. We know there was. We know that the White House was using uh, its power and influence with these companies to have these companies do the White House's bidding in censoring from the marketplace uh, any criticism of the COVID uh, vaccine um, paradigm that they were introducing, and so you couldn't get free, you couldn't get fair information critical of the COVID vaccine in the market. We know that, Robert. Your program's been censored a million times. In addition to that, any time you would call into question uh, Fauci, or you would call into question. Uh, whether the vaccines were working or whether the vaccines, whether people with natural immunity had better uh, odds than those who are vaccinated, whenever you would do that, then they would censor the information. Well, the effect of that uh, has been to dumb down the marketplace and to prevent innovation and to cost human lives in this pandemic. That's the ultimate problem that the government is going to have to answer for because the censorship, when you tell people, you don't allow people to tell people that, uh, natural substances can enhance your immune system when you know that an enhanced immune system provides you a better probability of survival in this in the in the pandemic uh, and you censor all that information about substances that improve immune system function you censor all that information yeah about uh, in, in uh, ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine how many people now? died needlessly because of the censorship yeah. And then you, you make ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine largely unavailable and you encourage medical boards to go after doctors who made it available. And all of that has been a ruin of, of the innovative methods by which people address a novel disease. When you, when you make it a bureaucratic endeavor, when you have government planning be your only answer, when you don't allow doctors to practice medicine, when you don't allow doctors to innovate, when you don't allow medical research to take place and you don't allow medical research without heavy government oversight and control like they do now you stifle innovation 
You prevent, uh, and then look at the whole ridiculous drug approval process. Anything that you say, even a food element, mm -hmm. even a food, if you say that it treats, mitigates, or prevents a disease, even if you can prove it, it can only be made available with that representation in the marketplace if FDA blesses it as a new drug. It costs over a billion dollars to get something into the marketplace on average today mm -hmm. through this whole regulatory morass with the government controlling what treatments get into the market. Well, you know what? That whole system screwed up. Oh, and yeah. that's another thing in dire need of change. We need to be able to... Yeah. Uh, the FDA censorship needs to end. When you go into FDA the U.S. Senate, Jonathan, they'll have a, the people of America will have a champion in the Senate, even though you'd be representing Virginia should you decide to run after this exploratory committee experience uh, that would uh, reignite some of the things I believe Ron Paul was trying to do in, in the House of Representatives uh, to a lesser degree, Senator Rand Paul. But I think if you were there and Rand Paul was there and there are a few others, uh, it would grow exponentially because it would catch fire like the sacred fire of liberty. Those are great allies in this struggle for freedom in this country. I mean, I, I wrote that bill, the, the Congressional Responsibility and Accountability Act for Ron Paul. And if that were implemented, and I would reintroduce that if I were in the United States Senate, if that were implemented, look what it would do. It would prevent any of the 200 federal regulatory agencies from implementing any new regulation unless that regulation was adopted by Congress as a law. Now, what would that do? That would ensure that your elected representatives, your elected representatives are responsible for all law. Why do you wanna do that? Because that's what the constitution requires. We've been living in an unconstitutional environment since the 1920s with these in 1986, we had the first independent regulatory commission, wholly unconstitutional. And then we've had over 200 additional ones since, and they make law and they, uh, they prosecute parties and they have their own courts and they are the judge also. So the, the prosecutor is also the judge. There's no justice in that. This whole regulatory system, the administrative state is a bane on the constitution. It violates the constitution. And we need to end the administrative state in America. But along the way, let's do this. Let's make sure that no regulation becomes law unless the people's representatives enacted in the way in which the Constitution provides. And let's take all of the regulations that are on the books that already exist and have yeah. them sunsetted within three years unless Congress adopts them by passing it. What will this do? It'll make the elected representatives in Congress have to answer to the American people for the laws that the American people have to suffer under. And that will mean that a lot of these regulations will never ever uh, be continued and a lot of them will never come into existence. And what will that mean? That'll mean that the marketplace will be liberated, that people will be freer in this country and mm -hmm. that we will get back to a system that depends upon proof that an individual actually violated a law before government can put restraints on them. The administrative state does the opposite. It does not require a law violation. It imposes a restriction on your freedom on the assumption that you may act in a way that the government doesn't want you to. Mm -hmm. And that's not the same as criminal law. Affirmative criminal law does the right thing. This is what the founding fathers expected. It's a case by case adjudication. It gives you a presumption of innocence unlike the regulatory state, which presumes you guilty, which violates the constitution. 
It prevents you from being subjected to general warrants, which allows a, an administrator to impose a requirement that you turn over all kinds of personal, private, proprietary information to the government, whether it's relevant to their inquiry or not. And that's a violation of the Fourth Amendment to the Constitution, which prohibits general warrants. And yet they do it in the administration. Every day and have been for decades. Yeah. Johnson, you don't have the right to a trial by a jury in the administrative state. No. That's an absolute right that you have in both criminal and civil cases under the Constitution. So the days of administrative agency adjudication have to come to an end. The administrative courts need to be ended. And if an agency wants to go after you, they should have to go to a regular court of law and present their charges and have them evaluated mm -hmm. on the presumption that you are innocent. They have to prove you guilty, just like any other aspect of the government. That's I, the way. I, Jonathan, I mentioned last week briefly, I was asking you about this, a, a friend who has been uh, alerted by the EPA, another regulatory agency that people go, well, that one's good because it's for the environment. Really? No, it's a captured agency like all of them. Uh, receiving a letter that because his filtration technology, he acknowledges that it filters out things as small as viruses, that uh, he is now uh, selling an unapproved new pesticide and must immediately cease and desist. And we will make you destroy all of these these uh, filters or the technology that, that are using them. I, I think about that. You have an innovation in filtration technology and a federal agency can shut you down, can destroy your business like that. And that's a real world scenario. People I know, people we know, people you know. And for those of you who really do care about the environment, wouldn't you want filtration technology to pull things out that could be harmful to your health? Oh, this no, no, no. That's a new pesticide. Kind, you must regulate that. This is the kind of brain dead overreach of government that happens all the time across agencies. And this is one very good example of how innovation is just destroyed by virtue of the fact that you've got an agency of the government that's doing something that's incredibly stupid, characterizing a water filter as a, a uh, pesticide. A water filter for drinking water. You mean purifying water is you're engaged in a practice that is the equivalent of spraying crops with a pesticide? Astonishing. Come on. Who you're comes up with the this? opposite. You're removing toxins from the water, actually removing pesticides. Yeah, exactly. You're not spreading pesticides. So what on earth? Another example. You've got... Uh, the EPA telling the Sack Sackler family, Sackett family in okay. Idaho, yeah. that their property, which is not adjacent to a any river or moving water, is nonetheless a regulatory wetland because within a mile away there is a navigable waterway. Well, you know what? That's insane. It's a parcel of property in a community of already built buildings, and they wanted to build their own home there. And when they started construction, the EPA sent them a cease and desist order saying you are uh, violating our regulatory wetlands policy, mm -hmm. and you have to turn the, the land back to its original state. Good Lord. And, and they were charging them 65 $2,000 penalty per day until they came into compliance. Just for wanting and, to build their home on their own property. 
I mean, this is insane, but that's where we're at. Jonathan, how many times has the EPA sent uh, like warning letters, cease and desist letters to farmers along the Mississippi River that are utilizing Roundup and flooding that whole valley and all of the waterways with glyphosate? Have they ever been warned by the EPA? Hey, hey, hey. Explain to me that, environmentalists. Yeah, I'll tell you. All of this is heavily politicized enforcement activity. Why? Because the people they appoint to run these agencies are the political allies of those who appoint them. And as a result, they do both the good and the bad that those people want. And when you are a socialist or you like socialism like Biden does, mm. and is allowing them to run roughshod over all of our rights, what do you get? You get socialists who hate a free market economy and who expand regulation to prevent people from doing basic businesses. That's what's happening in our country right now. Every agency, the FTC is horrendous, a huge wrecking ball destroying free market activity on the slimmest of grounds, if, if any grounds at all, and declaring advertising to be deceptive when they, all, they have no uh, direct proof of it being deceptive. They frequently, they declare themselves experts in the meaning of language. Yeah. These people aren't experts in the meaning of language. They don't know what you think when you see an ad. They have no idea. And yet they presume themselves to know both what the marketplace perceives language to mean mm -hmm. and what language actually means. And then they say, for example, if you were just to take an example. So the, the ad, Coke Ads Life from years ago, Coke right. Ads Life, and they had a song with it. Oh, you know what they could do with that if they are in their discretion, if they wanted to do something with that, they could say, okay, to Coca-Cola, uh, we don't think that the public perceives that as a euphemism for enjoyment. Coke adds life is a literal statement. You prove to us that Coca-Cola extends the human lifespan. Longevity. Yeah, yeah, right. What they do with people every day. Uh, you prove to me that if you're going to use that advertising, that Coke adds life extends the human lifespan. Oh, by the way. You have to provide clinical trials that show that Coke adds life, expands human lifespan. Uh, in addition to that, you have to show that um, uh, no consumer consumed the product. If you say that it was not to extend the human life, that no human, no consumer consumed it for the purpose of extending their human uh, life. It's I mean, a, on and on and on, on these yeah. impossible scenarios that are absurd, that cost millions of dollars to defend against. And we give the government the license to do this to us. Yeah. Let's end that. Let's end it. The FTC needs to be eliminated, Robert. Absolutely. Totally eliminated. hundred percent. Not, not a, it's trim around the edges. Get rid of them. Ronald Reagan nope. wanted to do that. And it's a job that needs to get done. It's a long right. time. Emord4VA.com is super Don. Do you have that site? You can show everybody so that when they get there, they know they're in the right place. Emord4VA.com exploratory committee for Jonathan Emord. Do you want to run for the United States Senate in Virginia? Heck, heck yeah. <laughs> check it out support them um there's a, a link super d maybe there's a link somewhere on uh where the uh, upcoming events are there they are upcoming events uh it looks like scottsdale arizona the villages in florida glendale california and if i can be at any of them i will i know that i'm planning to be at some uh in virginia with you uh next year or early next year uh which is very exciting and uh, hope to have more of these events uh popping up around the country to support your efforts and encourage you to actually declare for the United States Senate in Virginia would be great. And by the way, uh, this book's not yet available, but I got a copy. Thanks to Jonathan e. Mord. Who am I? <laughs> Will the real Tim Kaine stand up and be accountable? Uh, now, I think anybody in Virginia that reads this would go, uh, that's who we got as a senator. If you didn't know who Tim Kaine is, 
But look at his lapel because it speaks volumes about who he really is. Yeah. Do you see the hammer and sickle on his lapel? It's right there. I look at him and honestly, I see a villain from a Batman comic book. Um, And Jonathan, thank you as well. You sent me this beautiful book by Harlow uh, Giles or Giles Unger, uh, Lafayette, right? Yeah. This is something for everybody who loves the history of this country. This is a great book about the relationship between Lafayette and George Washington. Close relationship, brilliant, and a great one for those who love liberty. Thank you for that. And also, Cannonball. What is this? Jonathan, a cannonball paperweight? Merry Christmas. Look at this. It's got George Washington's signature on it. And that is the equivalent of a revolutionary cannonball. It's uh, perfectly designed like it. And it has the revolutionary and it has George Washington's signature on it. It's awesome. Maybe we can put it into my son's 50 BMG. No, it's a little larger. So never, never mind. Uh, (laughs) And Super Don has one as well. It's there if you guys need it. Oh, well, it's awesome. And I thank you for it. And by the way, real quick, we've got the Trinity Health Freedom Expo virtual expo coming up uh, February 18th and 19th. Jonathan E. Moore, of course, participating in that as well as you'll be able to witness his lecture that he gave back in October. My lecture, other lectures you couldn't see, even if you were there, all of them. And that's 18th and 19th uh, by the Whova app. Only 30 bucks. My gosh, how you get three months of time to watch everything and, and interact via the Whova app with everybody as well. It's a wonderful opportunity. Trinity health freedom expo.com. Uh, Jonathan E. Moore, God bless you, my brother. It's so much fun to rekindle the sacred fire of Liberty each week with you. You bet Robert. Merry Christmas to you. Merry Christmas to everybody. All right. We'll see you next week, Jonathan. And that is uh, the first hour down. How fast that went fast. My gosh. Uh, for those of you who, uh, who don't know, there's a lot of people, that have addictions. Uh, and we've been talking a little bit about uh, an Ayurvedic option to, to kick those cravings. It's called Crave Kicker with a K, the Velvet Bean, Mucinopurians, if I said that right, the Latin name. And it's in Crave Kicker. It's like a little bottle. Super Don has them. I don't know if you could show them, Super D. But this Crave Kicker is available through G- January 5th at a 15% discount. Usually the best you can get is 10. RSB 15. Crave Kicker. It's got naturally occurring L-DOPA to facilitate that you know, these dopamine receptors that need that kick or that hit from nicotine, for instance, you want to break that physiological craving. There it is. And, uh, I'm curious when I get this, uh, to try it because I'm not addicted, but they think about the, the dopamine receptors nourishing them or providing them. What could that do? Uh, so there's a lot of great things that are happening there and there's a lot more cool stuff. We'll talk about next hour, uh, including more upcoming events, uh, all kinds of Christmas deals before the new year that you can get on great things that will enhance your health and your life. Uh, not like Coke. Coke doesn't actually add life. I remember that. But it's funny. They would never go after Coca-Cola for saying that. But if if you had a homeopathic remedy and you said it adds life, oh, man, they will come after you immediately. That's the madness of the regulatory agencies that are captured. Also, my good friend, Jeffrey Smith is back. And as I said, he's on, a, my opinion, mission from God to prevent man and his arrogance to corrupt nature, to alter nature with man's arrogance, not the wisdom of creation, but man's arrogance, these genetically modified, I call them abominations, but genetically modified organization, organization. No, they're not organizations. They're organisms. And these GMOs, the disasters that they are, are creating all kinds of health effects that are impacting generationally now. And we'll talk with Jeffrey about GMO 2.0. What is that all about? So stand by for that and a whole lot more. RobertScottBell.com. Sign up for the newsletter 
by going to the website or just texting RSB to 22828, the number 22828, send RSB, my initials, boom, you'll be prompted in your email address and you're in. More opportunities for health and healing coming up after the break because the power to heal is yours. Scott the Bell Robert Show. Scott Bell Show. Well, I am excited. In just a few minutes, we'll be joined by my brother, Jeffrey Smith, Institute for Responsible Technology and more. And a lot of things that are happening. You know, we try to keep up with him. He's a busy guy, but he's joining us now before the end of the year. And uh, you're going to want to support what he's doing as well. When we got, talk about GMO 2.0. So stand by for that. Uh, also, a little bit more on upcoming events, some special deals I want to let you know about, as well as uh, reversing the damage uh, done by either GMOs directly or indirectly by the pesticides uh, that are corresponding with a lot of these genetic engineering uh, uh, plants, if you can call them plants anymore, like the use of glyphosate, the active ingredient in Roundup. Uh, one of the most profound tools that you can share to keep people away from these things is a, a documentary film that Jeffrey put together with Amy Hart. This is a while ago, but it's still as valid as the day it was made. Uh, and this is... Um, uh, Wow. <laughs> Secret Ingredients. Secret Ingredients, this movie. And how many young people have gone to their parents after seeing this movie and say, Mom, Dad, we need to go on non-GMO organic food. And that's been the message here since before I knew what GMOs were. Of course, it was organic, but add that to the mix. Uh, some of the things our friends at uh, Nutritional Frontiers do, in fact, uh, thanks to the work of Judy Mikovits, Tracy Straub, talking about uh, undoing some of the damage that glyphosate does in terms of uh, displacing glycine. Uh, DMG, I think it's dimethyl gly, gly, glycine. Is that right? DMG is a wonderful product that helps, but all the while reduce the inflow of those things that contain that toxic poison, including things that you think are benign and harmless and healthful, like oats and lentils. If they're not certified organic, they're often desiccated in this ingredient glyphosate, punching holes in your gut, destroying the integrity. And so there's a, a great 12 days of Christmas deal on a bunch of great products and, and uh, groups of products there at uh, Nutritional Frontiers, 12 days of Christmas holiday sale, 20% off on 12 different formula sets. And you can get an additional 15% off with the code RSB15, RSB15. So I thank them profusely for providing that to all of us as well. Another thing, sleeping, sleeping. You don't realize what you're sleeping on. You think, well, I got a pillow. Well, is that pillow made of foam? Does it have feathers in it? Do you know what's growing in it? Even if you clean the sheets often, mold and, and mites and things like that. The Silverite pillow from Silverite Global is an innovation long overdue for you and your bed. <laughs> I'm not kidding. When I started sleeping on it, my sinuses cleared up extraordinarily, even though I've worked for years to do that, not sleeping on a pillow that is a manufacturing pillow for things that create inflammation, allergic reactions, and autoimmunity. This is uh, Lisa Hill. She's got the Black Friday event extending all the way through Christmas for us, for you. RSB22 is the code, and you can get your Silverite pillow for 99 bucks instead of 149 And if you get it before Christmas and you use the code, you're going to be entered into a drawing, and we're going to give away another pillow, complete $99, $149 value pillow for free for one of you. 
Uh, and that'll happen after Christmas, sometime between that and New Year's or right after New Year's. So please consider getting that or getting a bunch. And they have neck pillows for travel. They've got a bed, uh, you know, beds for, for animals, little things. It's amazing what they have. RSV20 for everything else, but RSV22 for the Silverite pillow. Also, upcoming events, the first event of the new year in January, 5th through 8th, uh, uh, Terry and Stu Warner putting this on in Orlando at the Hyatt there. This is the American Health and Freedom Summit and Expo. Me and a lot of my friends are going to be there, and I hope to see you there too. I just booked my ticket, and it's going to be an amazing, amazing weekend. Kimberly Overton and the Nurse Freedom Network are going to be there. Uh, we got Peter McCullough. we got Judy Mikovits, we got Dr. David Martin, Mickey Willis is going to join us, and more. And that's the first event. The big one in Atlanta in February uh, after the uh, Health Freedom Expo virtual is uh, the 22nd through the 25th, Lake Lanier Islands, Buford, outside of Atlanta. And that's going to be the next dash steps.info. Use the code RSB10, get 10% off of your ticket to be there with us. That's going to be an amazing event. Setting up the parallel track, the parallel society, no longer investing in trying to correct these organizations in government that are so captured so disgustingly cancerous and filled with GMOs that they are beyond redemption. We've got to create a new, a better way. We don't have to declare war. We don't have to fire any bullets peacefully with the innovations that come from your connection to the source of all wisdom, the creator, however you perceive that to be God. That's what we're doing. Setting up that parallel society, allowing the other to collapse of its own weight because it's unconscionable what it's doing. And uh, with that, a uh, real twist on this uh, trust the science statement. You've heard that trust the science Brownstone Institute. Justin Hart has a good article on it. Love for you to read trust the science. No, <laughs> anybody that says trust the science is not scientific. It, it, the science is, is you really think of it as a method to understand the world around us, the world within us, the world around uh, all of that. It's a method really to discover and understand what is this that makes this world tick? How can we do better? rather than how do we conquer it and destroy it? Trust the science, my aspirin. Yeah, aspirin came out of science, but of course it's very toxic. So there are better ways to go about this. Look into that article, and it's a chapter uh, two of a book called Gone, Vi Gone Viral by Justin Hart. Well worth the read. And with that, the question, what is GMO 2.0, and where have you been? Jeffrey Smith. Welcome back, my brother. It's good to see you. Nice to see you, Robert. Nice to see you. I had, I was thinking this morning, um, I wanted to send some videos out the end of the year to our list of uh, well over 100,000 people who've been a part of our community. And I realized that one thing that I really want to give people is a short video that says it all. That, and not for them, but for their friends and family. Uh, because um, so many times, we're convinced to eat organic and avoid GMOs, but you know we're we're approaching that person we've spoken with for about the 17th year, and the this, the subject of food comes up, and their eyes glaze, they look at their watch, and all of a sudden they have to leave, and it's like we don't have the credibility among our friends and family anymore if they haven't already tried organic and switched. And also, I wanted to give people an an easy introduction how they can explain to others about GMO 2.0, which we'll talk about, and the dangers to hmm. all living beings and all future generations, and particularly the microbiome and human health. So what I would like to do this hour is to give a presentation that can be used by people to share with their friends and family as a gift. 
So they're off the hook and they'll allow me to do the heavy lifting by talking about GMOs and Roundup and GMO 2.0 and all that. So how much time do we have, Robert? I'm going to, I'm going to stuff it with all the details I can. Well, I've got questions of the day to answer later in the hour, but basically if you want to knock out uh, 30 to 35 minutes, right, right straight through, we don't even have to take a break if you don't want to. Well, I don't think it'll take that long because okay. a lot of people don't start videos if they have that many minutes on it. Okay. But I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to start with you. If you could introduce me to the people who are the friends of the people who have been, and I'll start it just before, I'll send out my own little uh, version of this. Sure. You introduce me and um, tell people about responsibletechnology.org where they can go mm -hmm. and support I will then carry carry the weight of it through the dangers of GMOs, the corruption by Monsanto, the collusion by the FDA and the EPA, the introduction of gene editing, the dangers of CRISPR, the dangers of destroying the microbiome, the new Biden administration's executive order, and the window of opportunity that gives us, or not, depending on what we do, sure. and we're going to end up being uh, doing just fine. All right, my friends, uh, very special announcements, information, education, empowerment about to occur on the Robert Scott Bell Show. My good friend, my brother, Jeffrey Smith, Institute for Responsible Technology, responsibletechnology.org. He's been working tirelessly for decades now on this issue and all of its uh, a myriad of, of, of tentacles reaching in uh, through government agencies, through business, uh, through, uh, you know, indoctrination. Uh, this is an astounding time in our history. And I, I believe this is my opinion that just like, remember the blues brothers, they're on a mission from God. I believe Jeffrey Smith is too. He was sent here to help us on this issue. And he's got uh, an incredible mind to see how to undo it in a way that is practical, pragmatic and achievable. And uh, if you like to actually achieve these things and win on things that are empowering and helpful, check out responsibletechnology.org. It's something you definitely want to support. And now we're going to learn also about GMO. 2.0. Jeffrey Smith, take it away. Thank you, Robert. I really appreciate that. Um, so this is an introduction to the world that I've been in for 26 years. And it started 26 years ago when I went to a lecture by a genetic engineer who blew the whistle. They were about to release genetically engineered soy and corn and canola into the American diet. And he was an award-winning, NIH award-winning uh, genetic engineer. And he said, there's absolutely no way that Monsanto, the company that was going to be releasing these into the food supply, could guarantee the safety of humans that were eating the food because the technology itself was prone to side effects. And when I heard about this, I realized everyone who eats is at risk. But then he also talked about the fact that when you plant a GMO, it can cross-pollinate and make non-GMO products genetically engineered in terms of their offspring, and you can't clean that up. So all living beings, all human, all humans who eat, all of that was at risk, especially if the GMO industry increased its plans. And we found out later its plans were to genetically engineer 100% of all commercial seeds and patent them. That was actually Monsanto's plan revealed in a, in a biotech conference in 1999. So I, I want to focus on the health dangers first. And for the health dangers, I'm going to share some correlational studies showing the increase of certain diseases with the increased use of GMOs and Roundup. Now I know 
that correlation does not prove causation, but it's the first part of the smoking shotgun that we have implicating GMOs and ill health. Now, the reason I mentioned Roundup is that Monsanto was the, first, was the company that introduced most GMOs into the marketplace, and most of their GMOs are Roundup ready. That's the trade name for genetically engineered soy, corn, cotton, canola, sugar beets, and alfalfa, engineered not to die when sprayed with Roundup herbicide. And the Roundup and its chief poison glyphosate gets into the crop, into the food, into our diet, and affects us. So if we're looking for the health dangers of GMOs, it's a combination of the genetic engineering aspect and the Roundup that's sprayed on those GMOs. There's also some GMOs, corn and, and, and some places cotton and soy that produce their own toxic insecticide called BT toxin, which kills insects by poking holes in their gut. And it's found that it pokes holes in human cells in large concentrations in a laboratory. So we have things to look at when we look at GMOs. And I'm only mentioning just the Roundup Ready and the BT toxin, but there's others that are also dangerous. But I wanted to go first to these charts, because when I speak about this and show these charts around the world, and I've spoken in 45 countries, the jaw can drop about what if the GMOs and the Roundup were causing these accelerations of diseases, and we think they are. So I'm going to share my screen. Um, let's see here. Can you do that here in this uh, uh, format that we use through Restream? It would be amazing if you can. Well, I'm looking to try. Yes, tell uh, the, the camera what to pick up. I think there's a gearbox there in Restream that may allow it. I've not done yes. it yet. If not, we can go uh, and uh, have Superdon do something perhaps. All right. Are you seeing the my my PDF here? Not at the moment, not at the moment, but if there's a, a way, uh, in fact, you can send the, the PDF right away to Super Don. We can have him put it up on his screen because he knows how to do it. I wouldn't know how to describe it unless uh, we bring him in. Well, that's interesting. Okay, then we'll have to do that. Super Don, I'm going <laughs> to. Well, I'm going to do it without the charts. Okay. All right. So. There is a, um, some scientists, Dr. Stephanie Senna from MIT, Nancy Swanson is a physicist, that calculated what the impacts were of GMOs and particularly Roundup and figured out what diseases that could cause and pulled together the data from those diseases in terms of their incidence or death rate or whatever and charted it with the increased use of Roundup or the increased use of GMOs among soy and corn, the two major GMOs in the United States. And the correlation was phenomenal. And if we look at the, at the charts going up, they're just shocking as to how many of these diseases are rising in parallel. And the diseases include inflammatory bowel disease, um, deaths from obesity, anxiety, diabetes, deaths from Alzheimer's, deaths from Parkinson's, deaths from hypertension, autism in six-year-olds, insomnia, celiac disease, uh, hospitalizations for acute kidney industry, in, injury, death from kidney failure, kidney and renal pelvic cancer, uh, liver cancer, liver and intrahepatic bile duct cancer, thyroid cancer, deaths from leukemia, breast cancer incidents, deaths from intestinal infection, deaths from disorders of lipoprotein metabolism, 
peritonitis, hepatitis C, dementia, deaths from senile dementia, ADHD, schizophrenia, suicide by overdose, congenital birth defects, congenital heart defects, newborn metabolic disorders, newborn genitourinary disorders, skin disorders, newborns with lung conditions, newborns with eye disorders, um, blood disorders, anemia, lymph disorders, and deaths due to stroke. These are all researched to rise in parallel with the increased use of GMOs and Roundup. It's shocking and it would be amazing if GMOs and Roundup were causing these things. Uh, and how do we know? Well, first of all, humans eat more than their weight. Well, Americans eat more than their weight in GMOs each year. So if these things were causing these diseases and someone stopped eating GMOs and Roundup, they might show getting better from these particular diseases or disorders. So in starting in 2012, I started asking audiences uh, how many people are trying to avoid GMOs and I got a sense of 20% and 40%. I got a sense of how many in the audience by a show of hands. And then I said, okay, for those that are consciously trying to avoid GMOs, maybe the 60 to 100% organic, what changes have you noticed in your health? And people would raise their hand and say, uh, acid reflux or inflammatory bile. And I'd say, how many people here noticed an improvement in digestive disorders? And a bunch of hands went up. It was always the number one response. And then I'd say, uh, someone would say brain fog or fatigue. And I'd say, okay, how many people noticed an improvement in that? It was always the number two. And so I took the 28 different disease conditions that I heard had gotten better from about 150 lectures that I had given and asked these questions to the audience, including about two dozen medical conferences where I was asking physicians what they noticed in their patients when they prescribed organic diets. And I sent out a survey to 3,256 people who reported getting better from the same 28 conditions in the same relative order. So I'm gonna read some of these, and this was peer reviewed and published in the International Journal of Human Nutrition and Functional Medicine. Digestive problems was number one, 85.2%. Fatigue was 60%. Overweight or obesity, 55%. Brain fog, 52%. Mood problems like anxiety or depression, 52%. Food allergies and sensitivity, 50%. Now, memory and concentration, I'm just gonna forget the percentages, now they're below 50%. Memory and concentration, joint pain, seasonal allergies, gluten sensitivities, insomnia, skin conditions other than eczema, eczema, hormonal problems, musculoskeletal pain, autoimmune disease, cardiovascular problems and high blood pressure, asthma, menstrual problems, diabetes, other mental disorders besides anxiety and depression, underweight, cancer, kidney disease, infertility, autism, Alzheimer's and Parkinson's. Many of these same disorders that you just heard, which were reported getting better when people switched to an organic diet, were also rising in parallel with the increased use of GMOs and Roundup. That's good evidence. It's building a case, but it's not complete. We want to look at the animal feeding studies, where they force feed the GMOs or the Roundup to the animals. And sure enough, the animals suffer from either these diseases, or since they're more short-term animal studies, the precursors to these diseases, and virtually all of them have precursors that have been found in these animal feeding studies. We've also talked to doctors who were treating patients uh, from before GMOs were introduced, 
and saw an increase in these disorders. They put their patients on an organic diet and it went back to where before GMOs and Roundup were part of the food supply. Similarly, veterinarians with pets and livestock. But that's not all. Now we understand more of the modes of action. What GMOs and Roundup and Bt toxin actually do to our system. And that gives us even a greater insight into what I call the plausible causative pathways from GMOs and Roundup to these diseases. And I could go through all the 35 diseases on the charts and all the 28 disorders that were reported in the surveys and show you the modes of action linked to the particular disorder. It's easier to do that with Roundup because we have more information about Roundup. A lot more research has been done than that on GMOs. And I'll give you an example. We'll pick one of the diseases that are reported both as increasing with the increased use of Roundup and reported by individuals as going away or getting better when they switch to organic, and that's insomnia. So insomnia, our, our sleep is often governed by melatonin, a neurotransmitter which comes from serotonin, which comes from L-tryptophan, which is produced by the gut bacteria through a process called the shikimate pathway. It turns out that glyphosate, the chief poison in Roundup, blocks the function of the shikimate pathway. In animal studies, it means that the L-tryptophan that was produced normally by the gut bacteria is dramatically reduced, which means the serotonin, which is 90% produced in the gut, is likely dramatically produced, and it converts to melatonin, and it's reduced, and then you end up with insomnia. A straight line from the mode of action of glyphosate damaging the shikimate pathway to not getting to sleep. Cancer is another one. So many cancers that I read there. Now, the World Health Organization's Cancer Committee declared glyphosate a probable human carcinogen. And we have all sorts of modes of action. How it does that, oxidative stress, genotoxicity, gap junctions, um, micro, microbiome changes, uh, toxic, all sorts of levels of toxicity. We can identify why glyphosate is a probable human carcinogen. And we see in animal studies, animals fed GMOs that are not sprayed with glyphosate, ending up with large tumors, early death, organ damage, et cetera. So we now have modes of action, human and clinical evidence, epidemiological data, animal feeding studies, and I recommend just try it on your own. Just go organic, take notes. I like working with spreadsheets. So if you could put down your mood, your energy level, and every single disease or disorder that you're experiencing now, one to 10. And then every column is a different day. And at the top row, the percentage of organic that you eat that day. And see if the changes in all the disorders and your energy level and your mood change over time. Now, I have a movie called Secret Ingredients. And someone in the, in the chat has already mentioned that it was a big change it transformed her family. And this film actually follows individuals and families that switch to organic and they get better. So two boys on the autism spectrum, no longer on the spectrum. 
people with brain fog and allergies and digestive disorders and, and all sorts of issues clear up. The doctors in the film explain that these are actually typical results in their practice when they prescribe organic diets. And then when people cheat on their diet and go back to the foods that they had stopped eating, the symptoms come back. The scientists in the film explain why this is the case, and we show that through animations. So it turns out it's the most compelling case for switching to organic. So if you're not already ready to try it yourself and create a spreadsheet and see the changes, watch the movie Secret Ingredients at secretingredientsmovie.com and then make the change. Now, one of the questions, there we are, thank you, one of the questions is how could this be so bad and be put onto the food supply? Mm. Well, for those that understand the influences that occur in the regulatory agencies, it's not such a surprise. Monsanto was the big biotech company introducing most GMOs. The first Bush administration ordered the FDA to promote GMOs and they created a new position for Michael Taylor, Monsanto's former attorney, to be in charge of policy, including the GMO policy that was to govern the US GMO policy for years, it still does. So when he was at the FDA, his policy that he wrote said, we don't see any difference between GMOs and non-GMOs, therefore no safety testing is needed, no labeling is needed. If a company tells us that their GMOs are safe, we have no further questions. In fact, you don't even have to tell the FDA. You can just put it on the market with your own desire and your own estimates. And if you do want to engage the FDA, there's a meaningless voluntary exercise where at the end of the day, the FDA writes a letter saying, it's your, it's your responsibility to determine if your foods are safe. You've made that determination and we have no further questions. You don't have to give data that would allow the FDA to actually analyze safety and no one does. Now, this captured regulatory agency at the FDA, and by the way, Michael Taylor then went on to become Monsanto's vice president, and then went back to the FDA as the US foods are. The same capture happens in the EPA around the approval of, of certain genetically engineered crops, and also Monsanto's Roundup. We have evidence of that, and also the USDA. So that's, and we have also evidence of how Monsanto rigs research. In this book of mine, um, I have, uh, it's called Genetic Roulette, The Documented Health Risks of Genetically Engineered Foods. The third part is all about how industry rigs their research, uses the wrong statistic methods, the wrong control groups, the wrong assumptions. It's entirely non-scientific, but they have an echo chamber of promoters which pretend that GMOs are safe. And their ability to drown out science is epic. And their ability to control regulatory agencies, not just in the United States, is epic. And I describe that also in this book. Also, for some people who are really into the science, just look at the, um, at the table of contents of the, of the book and see, oh, this is actually just part one. And you can see all the different ways that GMOs can cause problems, the evidence of harm, how the gene insertion into the DNA causes massive collateral damage, how the protein that's 
designed to be produced can be damaging, how the protein that's produced could be different than what's anticipated, how genes can transfer to gut bacteria or possibly internal organs, how they can create environmental toxins or accumulate toxins from the environment, and that they're more dangerous for children and newborns. And for those that are interested in how Monsanto was able to get their way, this book, Seeds of Deception, which was my first book, is all the stories of the corruption and the collusion. The subtitle is Exposing Industry and Government Lies About the Safety of the Genetically Engineered Foods You're Eating. All documented. I have to be very careful in documenting yeah. because I document how Monsanto actually attacked scientists and sued and, and basically um, destroyed people's careers. So I had to be meticulously careful and hand it to an attorney and look at everything and hand it to scientists who were going to um, write blurbs about it. And then they went through every single uh, quote back to the original quote to see that it was not quoted out of context, literally, literally. I had one, one person who was like the daughter of the president of Germany who was writing the forward for the German edition. And she said, I had a friend of mine look at every single quote and do what I just said. We only have one question. Now check out this question, Robert. You have a quote in the hard edition, in the hard book, that's different than the quote in, this, in the paperback. Can you believe it? <laughs> I looked at both pages. And I said, yes, in the hardcover edition, I was quoting the Washington Post, and they got it wrong. Mm. And the Roger Selquist that they were quoting was not a scientist, but the CEO of the company that produced the Flavor Saver tomato. Mm -hmm. And he referred to the rodents as mice, but they were actually rats. And so I had to make a change because the Washington Post had it wrong. Anyway, so that brings us up to the end of GMO 1.0. Yeah. And, and Jeffrey, uh, Jeffrey, by the way, what we've seen in the last two and a half, three years is everything you've described that they've done with GMO science, so to speak, applied in a different realm of science. Again, it capture industries, capture regulators in every aspect of our, you know, let's say governmental structures in all countries on planet earth that they can get a hold of. And it's a dilemma of dilemmas because we would want to seek redress through those agencies like EPA that are supposed to protect the environment. And then we find out that they're enabling those who are harming us and the environment. And yet your focus, Jeffrey, for your life, ever since I've met you is about how to do this and actually achieve the goals rather than tilting at windmills, right? That, oh, yeah. the idea that we can just, just do the same thing, but this time we'll do it. We'll, we'll break that wall. And, and that's not you. So you've learned a lot, of course, over those 20 some odd years now, over two decades of this. And then you have the the success in GMO 1.0 pushing back. Incredible. Yeah, and let me just say that, that what we were doing is educating consumers. When I started, no other uh, nonprofit wanted to focus on the health dangers. And I thought that was the Achilles heel of the industry to have consumer mm -hmm. reject it. So we educated consumers. I spoke in 45 countries, wrote two books, five movies, trained 1,500 speakers. We coordinated over 10,000 activists in North America and many more around the world. And so we built a movement focused on the health dangers. And not only did people learn what GMOs were, but now 48% of the world's population, 51% in the United States, believe correctly that GMO foods are not safe for health. And they so, changed their behavior based on that too. Oh yeah, and that was suppressed the growth of the biotech industry. Right. They wanted to, there was a projection that 95% of all commercial seeds would be genetically engineered by 2004. 
There's mm-hmm. only been about a dozen. And yeah, it, was it wasn't. The, yeah, it wasn't the government that stood in the way. It wasn't industry that started going. Well, we better do better because we're we're, we're being dangerous. It was the consumers, the people that use the product, said we don't want them. How much power was that? Now, that's where we saw so much success over the years, yet we come now to GMO 2.0 that takes this dilemma that we have. They ha- We have them on the run. Yes, and they realized, they realized that if they were going to introduce their new gene editing, it could fall on the crash on the rocks like GMOs did. So they got together in, some, in a c- conference in Eastern Europe many years ago and behind the scenes for many years figuring out how to introduce new GMOs and lie about it more successfully. And so, and so they rolled out gene editing, interestingly, with the same rhetoric and claims that they did for the original GMOs. It's safe, it's precise, it's natural. But they were able to convince governments that GMO 2.0, that gene editing, was safe and predictable and natural, and therefore should be treated like breeding. They even call it in some cases, precision breeding, even though it's an absolute disaster. So they were able to convince the United States government, the Canadian government is is trying to push that forward. The UK government's trying to push that forward, already passed in Japan, Australia, uh, Brazil, India, uh, Argentina, many countries, allowing gene edited GMOs onto the market without any safety testing, without any labeling, and in many cases, without even telling the government. Now, what that means is we have an oasis of organic. We have an oasis of non-GMO verified, or we have a high level of confidence. Maybe there's some low level of contamination. But with these gene-edited crops, they could flood the food supply, flood organic, and flood non-GMO, and no one would know. So our food is at grave risk. Now, to respond, first of all, to the biotech lies that gene editing is safe, we go, we put out a six-minute animated video. You can go to responsibletechnology.org and please make a donation when you're there. But if you look at seven reasons why gene editing is dangerous and unpredictable, you will see in six minutes the seven reasons. And in one of the little segments, the journal Nature, very pro-GMO, Calls the, calls the outcome of one gene editing technique, CRISPR, chromosomal mayhem. And those that are trying to use CRISPR and other gene editing techniques for human genetic engineering are very precise and very careful. And they look at something and they know that sometimes it actually kills people. So they're very reticent. But the biotech industry that produces food doesn't look at those dangers and uses the same accident-prone technology to create our food. And don't they don't look at whether it's producing carcinogens or toxins or allergens. So look at the six-minute film at responsibletechnology.org, and we're going to try and get that out to all of the world leaders. There it is. There it is, yeah. Just It's embedded on the website at responsibletechnology.org, right on the front page. Yes. Uh, gene editing is cheap, easy, prone to side effects, poorly regulated, and can permanently alter nature. nature's gene pool, a recipe for disaster. Again, this is what we're talking about, GMO 2.0. As much success as uh, uh, Jeffrey and, and all of us is, uh, you know, in, in helping along the way uh, against that first generation, this CRISPR technology, which can be done in, I guess, in your own bedroom or bathroom. That's how it's like become. That's the other thing. You, you, CRISPR is so cheap and easy. 
it's used by home hobbyists and in high school classes. What could you unleash in a bacterial sense? Well, I mean, that's, that's interesting you asked that question because, Mike, of all the different products that can be genetically engineered, plant, animal, microbe, microbes are, microbes are clearly the most dangerous. Now, if you've been awake any time in the last three years, you might think that I'm talking about what's called gain of function, mm -hmm. where you take pathogens and you enhance them so that if they get released, they can create pandemics. That's not what I'm talking about. Yes, that's dangerous. But everyday run-of-the-mill microbes, like bacteria found in root structures, in plants, found in our gut, if those things get genetically engineered, it could create massive diseases, uncontrollable, and it could damage or collapse ecosystems. Another film, this one's 16 minutes. It's called Don't Let the Gene Out of the Bottle. And this one at protectnaturenow.com describes at the very beginning, I interviewed Dr. Elaine Ingham, who's the queen of soil biology. And when she was a professor at Oregon State University, one of her graduate students was doing research on a genetically engineered microbe that was about to be released and sent to farms all over North America. And I don't want to spoil the plot, but what would have happened had it been released as planned, had this graduate student not volunteered to do this extra research to test some of its properties, you know, Dr. Ingham's words, it might have ended terrestrial plant life on the planet. This was not a potentially pandemic pathogen. This was an everyday microbe bacterium that's found on the root plants of every single plant in that they've ever studied. But as you'll see in the film, in the 60-minute film, it was engineered to turn plant matter into alcohol for a very well-meaning reason, which yeah. could have backfired. You'll also see another bacterium that if had it been released as planned, could have altered weather, weather patterns permanently. Yeah. And whether these in, these consequences are intended or unintended, I mean, that's for another discussion. The end result is still the end result, the disaster, the, you know, life terminating disasters uh, that we can circumvent. Some have been, but they're still not giving up on their dreams and desires to CRISPR all life if they could get away with it. And so, Jeffrey, what can the Robert Scott Bell Show family do to help out? I mean, do you need scientists? Do you need people on the ground? Do you need, obviously, donations? Tell me what they can do. What can everybody can do that's so moved to help? Well, it's interesting that President Biden came out with an executive order on September 12th to promote biotechnology. And he enlisted nine cabinet members and 10 heads of departments and agencies, calling it an all-government approach. Now, on the face of it, it could be a disaster. But in the executive order, and I read it very carefully and took notes and have excerpts, he focused a, a, a substantial amount on biosafety, charging many members of his administration with addressing it. And in a white paper that we had written, there's members of the Department of Defense and Homeland Security and former National Security Advisors that are freaked out about gene editing because their capacity to uh, purposely or accidentally cause massive diseases and environmental destruction. So we know there are people in the current administration who are concerned and have just been given the mandate to promote biotechnology in a safe way. So we have a plan to influence the recommendations going to the White House and the final implementation 
of this new bioeconomy plan from President Biden. And it's a big plan. It's a bold plan because it's not going to stop at the United States. It's also going to be extended to the world. And we are looking for top scientists from around the world. Our, one of our focuses is on the microbiome, which is so critical. That's the most urgent thing is to lock down genetically engineered microbes. That's something that could devastate us quickly. And we happen to have just been coming out of a pandemic. So everyone's like aware that microbes can travel, mutate and mm -hmm. wreak havoc. People don't know that microbes can swap genes. So you genetically engineer one microbe and all of a sudden 10,000 other microbes contain the gene that you've that you've genetically engineered and they're in the gut and they're in Siberia and they're in Alaska and they're in uh, the Gulf and all that. And they're all over the world and you don't know how to clean them up. So we have a rather bold plan and we've laid it all out and it's expensive. It costs more money than IRT has. We're a nonprofit. So we are desperate because there's a 180 day window for many of these members of, of the Biden administration to give their recommendations to the White House which means mid-March. So we're in a, in a sprint to raise a few hundred thousand dollars to, uh, to put this plan together because this is a window where decisions are being made. As an activist, I'm aware that if you miss those windows, you get locked out for years or decades. I did not have the national organizations at the time when all these schools were looking at the health of school meals. They had their wellness committees. They determined what shouldn't be fed to the kids. And then they locked it in as policy. And it was too late for us to make any changes. So we have to wait for the next round, which could be in a decade or two. We're now opening the door, or the Biden administration is opening the door to rearrange the policy on GMOs, even asking the EPA, FDA, and USDA to review the regulatory framework that has been the basis of GMO approvals. So everything is up for grabs. We are sitting with the science. I've been collecting the science for 26 years. Now we need to convey it in a way that will impact the decision makers for that master plan. And we have a way to do it. I'm not going to announce it. I'm not mm -hmm. going to tell Monsanto what, or Monsanto bought by Bayer. I'm not going to tell yeah. them what we're going to do. I'm just going to say it's expensive. But I have great confidence that it will work, not just for the United States, but for around the world. So the number one thing we need is donations. And that would be go to responsibletechnology.org, hit the donate button, and ideally something that you can afford on a regular basis each month so we can actually hire people and invest in assets knowing that the budget that we're planning will be handled by recurring donations. Uh, for some, it may be easier to just do, you know, all at once, but that would be critical right now. Okay. And so fine. what we're looking at, Robert, and I want to, I want to make sure that this is clear. Okay. All living beings and all future generations. I throw that term around because I've said it a lot, but imagine that you create that people do with gene editing CRISPR kits, introduce new grass and trees and dogs and cats and, and animals that glow in the dark and food and microbes and all that. We could replace nature in this generation. There's no recall because these are self-propagating genetically modified organisms that will create their offspring and their mm -hmm. offspring and their offspring. And now we have taken the gene pool and corrupted it forever.
So we've arrived at the inevitable time in human civilization where we can easily redirect the streams of evolution. We're democratizing nature. GMO, I, I coined the term years ago, GMO means God move over, mm. now more than ever. Yeah. So we need to protect nature now that we have the capacity to corrupt and destroy it and replace it. More ability to do that than ever before in human history. So now we need to change our relationship with nature and safeguard her, protect her. And of course, we would like to do it with all organisms at once with really strong, strong policies. But the one, the kingdoms that are the most impactful are the microbes. Well, when Jeffrey says he's got a way to do it, he's got a way to do it. I will just urge you, if you have a little bit extra or a lot of bit extra, if you've been holding out to think, well, what do I want to give to and donate to? This is as worthy a cause as anything we ever cover here. And, and you know, look, Jeffrey doesn't say other things are not worthy to. That's not the point. But you know the urgency and the importance of it because this GMO 2.0, this technology could destroy things faster than just about anything if not corrected. And there's a window of opportunity here, as you described, Jeffrey. I would like to see, and I'm trying to connect you with some scientists too, that I think could help in this regard. And I'd like to see that you have the funds to support them to do this because the window is not forever. And we are called to do that, which, yeah, this is as righteous as I said, you know, a mission from God as there ever was. And Jeffrey, my brother, I love you. And I appreciate you so much. You know that. And I uh, can't wait to get together with you anytime we can. But I'm so glad you, you joined me here before the end of this calendar year to get people to go, hey, uh, this is what I've been waiting for. I got to get in there and, and support this. Thank you. And Robert, there's one other thing that, th that people can do right away mm -hmm. and take this broadcast yeah. and share it with others. You know, my, my pur purpose for this was to make a little capsule, capsulation of what I've been doing for 26 years and I'm always inviting people to change their diet and, and see how their life improves so that we had to get through that. And now we're talking about changing government policy, which is more expensive. Yeah. So we've been able to run an institute on a few hundred thousand dollars a year for 20 years. Amazing. And now it's going to be a lot more money because we have to change it globally. It's not enough to just change you know, the United States from producing genetically engineered microbes when 100, when 200 other countries are doing it. It has to be global. Hit them everywhere. Yeah. And that's what our plans are, a global okay. plan. Right. And by the way, one of our friends, Ula, also described, you know, going organic and non-GMO, going back to the health issues you were discussing. Uh, she said uh, she switched over, uh, let's see, for tw seven years at the time. Let's see. And she eliminated debilitating conditions that she had suffered since her late teens, including endometriosis. Ladies, think about that. How many things uh, your doctor's not telling you about the food as medicine? That's an ancient concept, but more urgent than ever now. And of course, the food is relying upon the microbial world for it to be produced. And uh, this is what Jeffrey's talking about, the 2.0 scenario. As much as we've succeeded in, in curtailing a disaster prior to this, there's more work to be done. And you're here for this. You're here for a time such as this. And Jeffrey is, uh, um, you know, you're, like I said, I just, you're amazing. I love you, my brother. So thank you. Thank you, Robert. And thank you, Robert, for helping get this word out. You have a, your audience is very educated about so many things. Um, and it was like telling your audience that, that their regulatory agencies are corrupted was so redundant. <laughs> <laughs> 
because <laughs> you exposed <laughs> yeah. that so well. Um, and but what I found is they do it with a level of mastery, which is incredible. I mean, I've, I, I remember speaking to some of the top scientists in the world who evaluated how GMOs were approved in their countries. And they said, none of it is scientific. It's completely a facade. And yet it's been taken over by a very well-orchestrated campaign. So um, part of our job is to expose that. But I think right now we are, are we're shifting our focus very specifically in a rifle barrel approach to get new policies made to raise certain issues to the whole world and to members of the Biden administration. And I'm hoping that we can we can next year when we when we meet for the holiday interview, it'll be um, a celebration or before, if possible. Also, I'm encouraged that there are people within this administration that are somewhat to very concerned. That means there's an opening to reach them. And if, oh, yeah. if, if that's happened here in the United States, then I imagine that there are places around the world also where that concern exists, that we can uh, impact those people who now have that influence. To make you know, I was speaking to a microbiologist. First of all, we have a microbiologist on staff, and he, I asked him, contact some of your friends in, in the field and ask them what they think of genetically engineered microbes. He contacted five of his friends, and they all said the same thing. Never thought about it. <laughs> so then I talked to a microbiologist who apparently had thought about it, but disregarded the concerns about genetically engineered microbes as less important than the other types of organisms. So we spoke for an hour. And by the end, he was like, oh, totally. You're, you're totally right. And I'm particularly concerned about horizontal gene transfer. And it's like, yes, that's exactly right. Changing to genetically engineer a gene for one purpose and one microbe, and it ends up in 10,000 other types of microbes conferring a survival advantage and changing the nature of nature. Mm -hmm. So it, the fact that People don't know about it means it's time to ring the bell loud. Yeah. And it also gives it gives us an advantage to be the, the bell ringer. Yeah. And for those of you who, who occasionally feel overwhelmed by this kind of information, pray too. that, you know, petition the creator for a guidance for help as well. But also we are here because we are part of that help. You know, you said you said for those that are overwhelmed, I recommend that I'm going to hear it. Xanax, no. Yeah, no, <laughs> or, I wouldn't. Yeah. I wouldn't. No, not here. Maybe, I know. Maybe, maybe cannabis, maybe kratom, maybe, but no, not there. <laughs> so, uh, Jeffrey, my friend, we'll see you soon, hopefully, and also follow up as this, you know, we're not going to wait till December of 2023 to find out what's going on. So please make, uh, when you have time, to come back and give us some updates. And Absolutely. that way we can also, we might have some new insights to say, hey, now we can tweak a direction a little bit, right? And we want to be nimble with you in that way. Totally. Thank you, Robert Scabell. Thank you, your community. And for those of you who have received this video as a gift from someone, they're off the hook. If you have any questions, challenge us mm -hmm. because we had to build our science to be bulletproof because we knew that the biotech industry was going to hire a bunch of scientists trying to find anything that they could. And all that they could do is create their own websites where they lie about what we said in order to challenge it. So, mm -hmm. uh, we're pretty confident in our science. All right, everybody, the links are in the show notes uh, today, December 15th, 2022, when this first aired. Uh, share it, even if it's after the date, because it's still valid, still very important to do so. Come on over to robertscottbell.com. The links are there, and you'll get to responsibletechnology.org and all the other sites we mentioned today. 
Uh, God bless you, Jeffrey. I had to take a moment. Then there's a bonus round. I've got questions today. We'll answer it there. Uh, but this was just too important to uh, pause at all to get through it all. So thanks, Jeffrey. Thank you, Robert. And no matter what, again, if you occasionally feel overwhelmed, remember, get back to that special place that recognizes and acknowledges your divinity, your place in creation. You are here for a time such as this, and you can do the things that are required to make it better for the next generation, and even for us right now, but for your kids, grandkids, et cetera, all the way down, because the power to heal is yours. All right. Boy, he nailed that one. Uh, like I said, I wish we had the visuals for it, but uh, Jeffrey can paint pictures with words there. Uh, Jeffrey Smith and um, the criticality of what we're dealing with as well. And, you know, you hear me being very sensitive to being overwhelmed. I, I'm not feeling overwhelmed, but it's very easy at times. And I've certainly been there when, you know, so much seems to be going wrong yet. Uh, we don't tend to focus on what's going wrong. We'll acknowledge it, but also work right away into the, well, what can you do about it? What can you do about it? And, and that which would actually have an impact as opposed to, you know, tilting at windmill mills, sp spinning your wheels, banging your head against the wall, and expecting it not to bleed, that kind of thing. And of course, that's where Jeffrey's at. What will actually work? What has worked? What do we know? And I, I give a lot of uh, credence and, and uh, also credibility to this man that's been working at it for decades. So. Uh, thanks for Jeffrey being on. Also, what a powerful hour with uh, Jonathan Emord cranking it up. I didn't have to do much today. Did you notice that, Super D? I was like just along for the ride. Not much I had to say, which is fine. Yeah, I mean, it was uh, it was an interesting show today. It was just kind of on autopilot almost. Uh, I was just kind of sitting here like, for me, yeah, I just got I, out I of really the don't have a whole lot to do. And uh, think every I'll once make... in a while, I want to get a word in with Jonathan, but and and I do eventually <laughs> because I, I want him. To respond to certain things it's not easy is it but he does when i get it he's like oh i totally get what you're saying and blah, 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 and throws out but i want it's, people to have the depth and breadth of what he's trying to communicate rather than hearing only one thing because there's a lot more to, to jonathan emord than what you'll you'll hear him say as well it kind of cracks me up though because you're kind of like he's a man uh, on a mission too he's just like boom 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 he's yeah. just going yeah yeah good stuff so, so you got your cannonball too I did. Cannonball. You feel better now? Were you, were you jealous yesterday when I had I my was. cannonball? I like, how does, how does Super Don get stuff from Jonathan E. Moore? Yeah, and I don't. Right. That's not, not right. But it's no, I got it. We got it. And uh, I'm excited. Uh, I, I, I got to figure it. out ways, some way to display it, though. It's like, I don't yeah. know what to do with it. It's like, mm -hmm. I personally, it's cool, but I kind of like it in the crate, though. I, I like it, it with cool the, in the, crate. the, yeah, the, the morning the munitions crate. thing on the side. And, yeah. And it says on it, Cannonball Paperweight with George Washington's signature, I believe. Yeah. Very cool. Right. Yeah. Very cool. Nice. And by the way, I mean, he didn't mention it, but you know, the, the original, the first book, yeah. um, the first book of this type of book that he came out with last year. Oh yeah. Biden stole Christmas, Hanukkah and Kwanzaa too. This is available. Um, it's, still, it, it's still viable. That book. It's it, very is, funny, definitely. Pointed, it is definitely pointed and poignant. Uh, great yeah. Christmas gift. In fact, um, the one on, on this one, I don't think it's available yet. Who am I? Well, the real, that's what he was saying. Yeah. But that's fun. And funny, uh, good illustrations in there. Here's the, here's the uh, Tim Kaine high fiving Hillary Clinton. If you guess, yeah, no, the illustrations are great on these books. I enjoy them very much. Mm. Mom likes these glasses. I just noticed. Hi, mom. 
Um, I knew yeah. because this is more my style that I'm used to. And I figure, you know, people are used to that. And of course I have these with the very deep orange tint that are the serious level blue, blue blockers. And then I have the yellow tint on the round kind of John Lennon-y style uh, glasses as well. All blue blockers. Even this one has it. It's just not as strong. And uh, we just now added the link yesterday uh, to indigospecs.com. Is that right, Super D? Correct. Yep. RSB10 is the, uh, the, the promo code. And folks, that, if you've been thinking about getting new glasses, these people are not getting their stuff from China. These are American-made, North Carolina, good people, patriots. They really believe in this country. They were there supporting G. Edward Griffin and the Red Pill Expo. That's how I met them. And I want to get them on the show and talk more about the technology and how, how much quality that they're bringing to this. And reasonable as well. Not They're not gouging you in prices at all. Very reasonable prices. And you get a discount, RSB10. Uh, so if you're thinking about getting new glasses, um, we're going to get one. We got to figure out super down which kind of you want so we can get you some, like with what diopter or whatever, you you know, you have there for your reading glasses. Those are easy. Uh, yeah. 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 Because, you know, these here, mm -hmm. it's funny because they, they broke. Yeah. We it's need to get you repaired. For post. So it's like, it's like the, the, the thing here is like. Yeah. Dude, that's not <laughs> It's right. hanging on by this rubbery glue right. thing stuff. Yeah. You know, it's like I can. By a thread. So, so we got to anyway. figure out what to get you. And do you want it in like yellow, orange, or just. Well, the here's the thing. Things? I don't know. What do you think? Would I look good in the John Lennon glasses? I don't know. I might look kind of weird. You know, different people you know, can wear different styles. So you might, we I, might have to contact them and have them to send you a few just to try on. I don't know. See, I don't unless know. there's an app. Do they? Because I've seen these apps that, that you can try them on virtually and see it on your face. Oh, Maybe yeah. that's there too. I haven't looked into that. Yeah. But that would be cool to get you. Yeah. Now, uh, we did have a couple of questions of the day, and I don't want to let them go by because I think tomorrow is a travel day, isn't it not? It is. We'll be doing an encore tomorrow. Yeah, uh, heading to California for some fun, hopefully, some fun, and meeting some people, some great people, good friends, mm -hmm. family members, things like that. Uh, so let's see here. So that, that means also Sunday's broadcast will be recorded in advance from California, of all places, with the Pacific Ocean at my back. That's my hope here. All right, That'd so cool. uh, go full screen on this one for the question of the day. This is another long one. It's it, it's not as long as yesterday's, which went on for paragraphs uh, that I answered. This one's from Catherine. She said, I've contacted you before, and I'm always gratefully appreciative of your help. Most people talk about remdesivir as the main drug, along with ventilation, to avoid in the hospitals when diagnosed and imprisoned with COVID. But my father was killed. Oh, man, I'm so sorry. My father was killed this past January using a drug I'd never heard of, baricitinib. Baricitinib. I never know how they pronounce these things because they always go by some trade name instead of the, the official name. When I looked into it just a few weeks ago after finally receiving the medical records I had been requesting since January, I found that it has five black box warnings and that Dr. Artis, our friend Dr. Brian Artis, announced that he had just discovered in May of this year that hospitals had started using that drug to kill COVID patients, either in addition to remdesivir and ventilation or when a patient was wise enough to reject remdesivir. So I'm writing to you today to hope to inform others about this additional deadly and evil tactic being used in the hospitals, but also to find out if you know anyone trying to do any kind of class action suit against, uh, well, anyone for this drug or any other COVID-related drug or all of the hospital imprisonments and murders. The CDC has been pushing a known to be deadly protocol. Seems like there are so many people that need to be held accountable here. I hate the idea of anyone else's uh, loved one suffering and being imprisoned and murdered the way my father was. He had been doing so well with his pituitary tumor after the ideas you had given me before. And I know that it's still going on all these months later. 
It just grieves my heart, Catherine says. Anyway, love you guys, and thank you for any information you have, and if you were able to share this with the public so they have more information. I guess we need to get Dr. Brian Artis back on the show, talk about this. Mm. Put that in. If Kevin's listening, we need to reach out to Dr. Brian Artis. Well, but yeah, I just, there are I just, I just looked it up, mm-hmm. and this, I don't know, does it have a pronunciation? It doesn't. Yeah. But the uh, the brand name that it's it's uh, sold yes. as is Olumiant O L U M I A N T Olumiant. Do you have the web page? You can show it. Or I, I'm looking at the Wikipedia page here. Okay. But let me uh, let me bring up the actual website here. Yeah, I see you clicking, but I just see the question of the day, comment of the day by, yeah, by Catherine. You know, there's a process okay, okay. I have to go through here to do I this. Know. I don't know what you go through. You're just super Don. Oh my gosh! Look at that. Are you a U.S. healthcare provider? No, I am not. Okay. Olumian. So yeah. Prescription see medicine that? that Janice Kinase inhibitor used go. to treat adults with it's severe. It's an RA drug, drug, dude. And I, I mean, having not looked into more detail here, if you, if you, uh, the RA drugs that they re- advertise oh, on the TV are the worst. They're, they're so the damn. worst commercials. The side yeah. effects that they list include death. Mm-hmm. Cancer. As Catherine said, five black box warnings on this thing. Yeah, and no. it to her dad I have not seen an RA drug mm-hmm. advertised on TV that don't that doesn't make you just yeah. you know look at it, it, it. You know your your partner, whoever's in the room, and go. Did they yeah. really just say that? Yeah. yeah. Embril was the first one I remember right. that, that came out on on the market that had the uh, the commercial, and it was just like you got to be kidding me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you know, your arthritis uh, might feel better or, or alopecia. That was another one. You know, oh, your mm-hmm. alopecia might be better. Your, your skin might look clear, yeah. but it could kill you too. Right. And it'll, it'll, it'll knock down your immune system to the point that mm-hmm. you could get sick and die from, you know, yeah. uh, diseases you normally would be able to survive. Mm-hmm. Super D. Uh, uh, Michael Bolden is, is uh, voting for the Lenin style for you. Yeah. I, well, I mean, I'll try anything at this point. I mean, okay. I mean, if you look at these, these are round, you know. They're, so no, that doesn't. Well, they're. Not, I mean, they're not round like that, but at least they, they are round, like you know. Smaller, yeah. So yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't care. It doesn't matter. I'll try. Hey, I'll try. I'm anywhere within sixty to ninety minutes of you. You know, we have to get together down there. Michael's just remembering that I'm heading his way, mm-hmm. a little further south. But yeah, I'll remind you. But yeah, we are going to see you, my brother. Um, I'm really thrilled about a reunion with Michael Bolden and Sarah Beth and 10th Amendment Center and delicious organic non-GMO food. So that's coming. <sighs> let's see. Uh, what we, had a second, we-, uh, we had a second. We had a second question. Okay, yeah. let's go to it. So let's zoom in on this one here. One from Nancy. Yeah, we got the pop-up there to get our own pop-up. Yeah. It says, hi, Robert and Don. Do you think it would be okay to add super fulvic minerals that I got from Jonathan Otto my cardio miracle also would it be okay to put a drop of iodine in the cardio miracle i take these daily thanks nancy well i don't think any of that is contraindicated quite honestly uh, i mean the the things that they say to avoid primarily when you're doing the cardio miracle let's say you can even do a fruit smoothie with it but when you start adding a lot of protein or protein powders that can uh, limit the absorption of all the ingredients that uh, are necessary to facilitate the prolonged uh, production of nitric oxide. So, uh, Nancy, I don't think that's a problem so far, what you've said. This is the Cardio Miracle, and I, I'm glad you have that too. And those of you who have it, you know it's amazing. Um, I'm just, uh, you know, like each day I go into the gym, it's harder. You need a refill. You, get, you need a refill, yeah. 
but I, I just, it's just harder and harder for me to achieve high levels of uh, pulse points in the gym without them yelling and screaming at me because my heart has become so efficient. My vascular system has become so efficient at delivering all the things that my body needs, even in intense exercise. So I'm not really complaining. It's a good thing, but it's sort of like if I have a goal of 60 pulse points uh, in a, in a nine round, uh, um, let's say uh, kickboxing session, uh, it's hard to get there for me because again, it, it's, you know, I'm, I'm like, Huffing, trying hard in the first round with jump rope for three minutes to get my heart rate just to the blue level where I'll get one pulse point per minute. If you're in the yellow zone, you'll get three pulse points per minute, but you know how hard it is for them to get me in the yellow zone. Again, it's, it's a not, it's not a bad problem to have. Believe me, I'm not complaining about it. I'm just saying this is a living example for those of you that are on a fitness regime to be able to test it. A lot of people are not, and they just like, I'm starting from like really down low in terms of functionality. You think about what it can do for you because it's extraordinary. It's been saving lives. So I don't want you to think, oh, well, I'm not in it. I'm not doing athletic things like Robert, so I'm not going to take it. No, 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 no. It becomes even more critical for you. It literally keep you alive. Yeah. <laughs> for sure. So, Nancy, you can get back to us on how it yep. goes when you start adding that, but I don't see any contraindication for that. Uh, let's see. We mentioned the upcoming events. Uh, we've said thanks. I uh, hopefully to all of those, um, the folium PX, I do want to mention, um, that's another aspect of uh, addressing so many of these challenges we're facing, including glyphosate. I mean, a supercharged, uh, Chernobyl level antioxidant. Yes. Folium PX F O L I U M P X. And there's also a discount code, uh, to get a little bit off of that. I think it's RSV 10 as well. And, um, he sent that to mom and uh, we'll be talking to her about how she's doing. She just started it a couple of days ago, uh, but I urge you to look into that. It's very well researched, well documented, scientifically established. It's, it's a powerful counteract to a lot of oxidative stress and, uh, radiational type interactions, damage and inflammation, all of that. Uh, so I highly recommend foliumpx.com and still working on, on scheduling some folks on to talk about that as well. Uh, let's see anything yep. else. We had a few more things we didn't cover. Um, we didn't well, show Vayner trying. Yeah. I, I teased yeah. that. I think we must. Now, for anybody who's been following politics, uh, you will remember John Boehner, former Speaker of the House, mm -hmm. uh, replaced Nancy Pelosi for a short period of time, mm -hmm. and then Nancy came back. Yeah. And uh, one of the things we used to have a lot of fun at, at John Boehner's expense about was the fact wow. that he had a tendency to cry a lot. <laughs> we're so, we're so intensive. Stop crying. And I'd forgotten all about that. Uh, and so, you know, John Boehner, I don't know what he's been doing. I know he, uh, he got involved. I think it was like in a cannabis company. Yeah. After he retired from Congress. Um, so, I thought it would I don't, chill him out so he wouldn't cry as much, but maybe I have no work. idea what he's been up to really. But mm -hmm. uh, just recently, a couple of days ago, yeah. there was this big ceremony um, and Nancy Pelosi unveiled a portrait, a giant portrait of herself. Oh my. And John Boehner, I guess he happened to be there mm -hmm. and uh, got up to give a speech. And wouldn't you know it, he cried. No. Yeah, Madam Speaker, I have to say, my girls told me, tell this speaker. <laughs> oh no. How much we admire her. What? <laughs> Hey. 
Glad they couldn't jump my girls are Democrats. What are you crying about, John Vader? Seriously, I mean, it wasn't like some sob story. Somebody died or somebody's yeah. cat or die or dog. Or, Tell I, my I, girls. Don't, I know. I might be crying when they unveiled this por- life-size or bigger portrait of Nancy Pelosi, but for different reasons. Uh, and I wonder if it's the shot of her with, you know, her, her face pulled back in Botox. <laughs> oh, it's got, it would make me I mean, cry. It was a nice portrait. I saw it. I mean, okay. it was like, um, you know, whatever, but yeah. man, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, on the one hand, you know, we laugh at it because it's just, he seems to just cry at the, you know, snap of fingers. It doesn't take much to, on the other hand, I do appreciate the fact that he is a guy that is very emotional and he's not afraid to show it and stuff. I'm I'm kind of like that myself. It doesn't take much to get me, uh, you know, teary eyed on, on things yeah. and stuff. No. But, but I we're not making fun of John Boehner, but we are. And we are. Yeah. We are. But he's he's a public figure, and uh, he likes to. I cry. miss him, kind of. But really where do. it's just he's he's I guess he's uh he's overcome his toxic masculinity. <laughs> <sighs> uh, yeah. Those are those are different times when he was. Yeah. Hey, how about um. Let's make uh, Bernie Sanders and AOC cry. Can we do that? Can we try? We got a news report on the 10 upsides to socialism. Maybe this will make them cry. Well, I'm, I'm disappointed that we didn't get to cover that with. Uh, I know. Peter. I was, was just, curious what his. Jonathan was on a roll and I was asking him some, some, I thought very valid and valuable questions on his quest to become a U.S. Senator. He was Virginia. pretty intense today. So I wanted him to let, let loose. I wasn't going to stop him for this. But yeah. here you okay. go. The top 10 reasons or no, no, top 10 upsides to socialism. Number one, I need the drum roll, but we don't have it. Do you have one built I, into I, the- Well, okay. I I do, but it's not going to last the entire time that you're trying to talk. No, it's So okay. we'll save the drum roll for, uh, number, for number one. We'll start off or, with number 10. Number, start out with number 10. All right, we'll count down. Okay. You All won't right. feel lonely anymore because Big Brother will always be with you. Again, oh, there you go. Number nine, no more depressing news. The state news media is always so positive about how the government is doing. It lifts the spirit of any patriotic citizen. Again, 10 up to the top 10 list. State news media, what would that be? Like MSNBC or something? Could be. Number eight, you get to choose from one of two exciting books at the public library. Look, we don't (laughs) want a lot of choices. Das Kapital by Marx. Should fit the bill, or if not that, Becoming by Michelle Obama. Yeah. Who needs so there's only two that? books in the entire public library. Makes it real easy. Uh, nice. I just don't know what I need. Oh, there, two books. Let me pick one of them. How about uh, No Long Lines at Starbucks, finally, because it's so much shorter when there are no Starbucks. No Starbucks. No, not under socialism. Number six, no election fraud. It's easier when there are basically no elections. Oh, yes. Or at least you know that the elections you're engaging uh, in are a fraud, unlike yes. here, or some are convinced that they're hey, real. the same guy got elected the 12th time. Yeah. Number five, happen? you'll meet all kinds of nice people while standing in line, not at Starbucks, <laughs> but to get bread. The bread <laughs> lines, yes. Bread lines, yeah. Uh, number four, of course, this is the big one in the holiday season and in the winter months. Everyone is happy. Yeah. There's no more seasonal affective disorder because the complainers just seem to get disappeared. It's kind of hey, weird. Where'd, <laughs> where'd they go? It's like, did you notice the protesters in China now are protesting with clean white sheets of paper? Because if they put anything on them, they are disappeared. Uh, no. Yeah, there's a form of protest, actually, no. what I was reading. Nothing is on them because white if they paper, put anything on them, they're done. All right. Uh, number three. Hey, the kids, you know, they get noisy. Not anymore. 
not when they're dehydrated. Yes. Yeah. Big families living under socialism. You can't even get the water in them. Silver mm -hmm. linings abound. Number two, these are upsides to socialism. Number upsides two, your wife will be limited to only a couple of decorative pillows. Okay. You know what? That's almost you know, maybe it's that's worth a, it, doesn't it? That's like right there, I could go, yeah, honey, two is enough. We don't yeah. need another pillow. Right. And finally, the number one reason or the number one upside to socialism. You can finally meet your weight loss goal. <laughs> if your current trends, if the current trends hold, you'll be down to a slim girl of 75 pounds by the end of the year, or you'll be eating your cats and dogs along the way. I'm sorry to say that, but that's what happened in Venezuela. In other I would not recommend that diet plan. Crickets. Stick with the Mediterranean diet, not the socialism diet. Crickets for thee, not for me, the Politburo will say. Anyway, thanks. Uh, we had to indulge in that, Super D. You're right. We had to do that. Had to be done. So. Dawn wants everybody to know that decorative pillows are. Related, so. <laughs> she she is now not a fan of AOC or Bernie because she likes her decorative pillows. <laughs> of course, we're all about choice here. You're right, Dawn. That was obviously tongue in cheek, but real as well. From you can tell that that list was written by a man. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh, what is going on? Are we done? I hope it's warmer in California. It will be. I, I envy you. Yeah. It's been a long time since I've been in Southern California. The, uh, the, the traffic's going to be nuts. Yeah. It, Do they have, it, uh, uh, like, the marine layer in, the, in, in December, too, where it'll be no sun? Well, I haven't been. You know what? I've spent very little time. I think I, gosh, I, I, think I may have gone through San Diego at one point. Mm -hmm. um, it shouldn't be too terribly different than, like, L.A. or something like that. But Okay. You're going to be near the beach. So, yeah, we're going to stay in a, a, a thanks to our, our good friend and supporter of the show. Uh, she's also one of the patrons, uh, Allison and her family. They have a, a house overlooking the beach and it should it's be on nice. a cliff. So, yeah, it's right there. Uh, and I, my daughter, I don't think, has ever seen the Pacific Ocean in real life. So, is that that's oh, really? So, so well, I mean, it's probably not going to be the whole No, I mean, it won't be swimming weather. I mean, people in, in dry suits, maybe wetsuits will be surfing. I, yeah. I mean, I've never been to the Florida beach, so I don't know what the difference is going to be between. Oh, uh, about between 30 the, degrees. Well, temperature, but I mean, as far as the beach, it goes. Yeah. Because, you know, you can go to the beach here in Oregon. Yeah. And it's nothing like the beach in California. Yeah. I don't think you want to swim in that water, though. No. The coast beautiful, Oregon. though. You know, yeah. I, you know, look, I don't even care what the weather is. If I'm near a beach, I'm good. You're there. Yeah. You, I mean, you've been on the beach during a storm. Of course. That's the coolest thing, Oregon. man. Lightning that strikes. The Do they get lightning thing. strikes off the storms in Oregon? You remember those or not? Lightning strikes, well, when we get storms here in Oregon? Like thunderstorms on the coast of Oregon. Oh, on the coast? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There'll be, there, there'll be, uh, I've, yeah. I've seen it before. See, Bolden says it's in the low 40s overnight now down there. Yeah, yeah. Are you kidding me? Well, right now we're dealing with snow four days in a row. I shoveled the, the driveway twice today. I should say one and a half times because my son did did it this morning. He woke up. I was like so proud of him. <laughs> and he, he got three quarters, quarters of it or more done when I joined. Today, so one today we, we're having a high of 21. So I don't want to hear it. Yeah. So we will 40s. That's yeah. nice. <laughs> but it's, it's not Florida warm, but it'll yeah. still be nice. We're getting down to seven degrees tomorrow night. Mm. Wow. So I'll take the forties. Forties is a nice day. Right. Hey, so have you, have you talked with uh, Shemaine Nugent uh, this morning? Next week. Uh, I was thinking about that. I, I went in, you know, to the nine round to go work out. And of course they're playing some, I don't know what kind of music it wasn't great. So I, I have a, 
I don't say it's a discount code, but I have a shortcut that I can go in and do a search on their, their app on their thing. And I mm. just, what I did is a search for Ted Nugent and wh whatever the playlist came up, I played it. And of course they did play cat scratch fever eventually too. Oh yeah. But it was, a, it was a good rock and roll. Uh, had like three uh, hits, yeah. three hits. It was cat scratch fever, mm -hmm. uh, free for all. Yeah. And stranglehold. Yeah. I mean, it was basically those three. Bye, Marge. See you Monday. She's got to go. Okay. Okay. Bye. Bye, Marge. Nice to see you. Go get he a, had a bunch of other songs. Yeah. He's a great guitarist. He is. I mean, he mm -hmm. is. And yeah. he's just a fun guy, but it's the personality mostly that uh, mm -hmm. it's not, it's, well, whatever. Some people get angry with me. Yeah. A lot of people, you know, there's some talk about him being in the uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Yeah. I don't know. But I will be I'll be speaking with Shemaine next week. Okay, excellent. Busy schedule. Yeah. Did you already Did you already email Ted's publicist to get him on the show? Yeah. Yeah. They're not going to. They're not doing any interviews with Ted until after the first year. Okay. Well, he's, we'll roll he's with it. No interviews during the holidays. So I think we'll be getting around. But I will be talking with Shemaine next week, and uh, kind of I, I have a hunch I'm going to be working with her on her podcast. And speaking of podcasts, yes. this morning we had yes. the uh, the premiere of The Preacher and the Polish Girl. That is now available on the Robert Scott Bell Podcast Network. Hope Hooray. that be R, Robert, R-S-B-P-N. R-S-B-P-N. Yeah. Well, look at that. Look at you playing sound effects. I did that. That's really cool. I did that. That was so, the first time I got to do that. How cool is that? So, um, yeah, so that is, that is there. And, you know, I, I've become inspired. Um, mm -hmm. I want to, I want to try and see what else we can add into the mix on our, our podcast network. Okay. Um, and so there'll be some other things that'll be coming up soon, other podcasts and stuff, but I'll be working on that here over the, over the holidays. Okay. And I think that's it. I think that's all I got. That's enough. Yeah. Okay. So tomorrow will be an encore and Sunday, Sunday show will, will be at least, at least an hour of new material that will re I'll record from uh, California. That's my plan Okay. on Saturday, probably for Sunday's broadcast. So for those of you who are patron supporters, uh, you're going to get a sneak preview. You always do. And in fact, you know what I should do after the show right now, because I have a moment to do it, is set up the invitation for our uh, Zoom AMA for the 27th of December, well in advance. Way in advance. So All that right. way we can alert those that are not Patreon members, but do support us because, sure. you know, I, we understand some people don't want to do Patreon and, and they've sent in donations for us to upgrade technologies and things. And I want to say thank you to them, make sure that they know they're invited to. Uh, for supporting us going above and beyond to help us to do these things. Right. So uh, I will uh, set that up, Super D, if you'll remind okay. me. Because I could, yeah, like, you bet. 30 seconds from now, I could forget. Maybe, maybe if we do yeah. that, we'll have more people show up. True, yeah. It's going to be uh, Tuesday, the 27th of December. Okay. Uh, 7 o'clock Eastern, 4 o'clock Pacific. Sounds good. Okay. Well, you have, you have a good trip down to uh, San Diego. Yeah, baby. And uh, I'll check in with you when you're down there. And meanwhile, we'll uh, I'll hold down the fort, mm -hmm. and uh, we'll see you back live on Monday. Sounds great. 
All right, you guys have a, a good day. Appreciate you tuning in, and uh, we'll see you soon. Thank you, thank you. Thank you.